All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Daily Face-Off Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 5 of the Daily Face-Off Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. Got Dylan D. Berthium to my right, Michael Biebs Bondi to my left. Gentlemen, talking about some Ds today. So, D, we'll start with you. Oh, that was nice. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Excited to talk about some of the unsung heroes on the back end. How to justify when to take who uh because that's i always find one of the most difficult things about defensemen in fantasy hockey is kind of trying to assess their value and when it's worth to take you know a 60 point defenseman over say a 75 or 80 point forward looking forward to it yeah. unfortunately this uh segment is not called the beeb segment um so maybe maybe we'll get to that provision uh, positional preview one day but um we're doing good over here i'm glad it's d-day or the day we're doing D. It's um, not June 6th. Yeah, it is not D-Day. Um, but I'm glad we're getting into this. Uh, like D said, you know, D- defensemen, you could all th- you could throw half of them in a bag, pull one out, and there we go. Um, I'm already struggling with defense and drafts. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of different tiers, so we're going to get into those tiers. Kind of show you, you know, who you want, who you don't want, who's busting, who's sleeping, all yes, that fun uh, stuff. Of course, as always, we will have our consensus top 10 defensemen. Sleepers, bust, breakouts, give you guys a couple of rookies as well uh, to talk to target in Dynasty Leagues, Deep Keeper Leagues, uh, etc. So 
Uh, without any further ado, let's get right into our top 10 consensus defensemen. And we start at the very top with Kale McCarr. All three of us have Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche at number one. I don't think that this should come as any surprise to anybody. No. He is uh, the consensus number one overall fantasy defenseman across just about every um, site imaginable this yeah. year. I don't think there's a single argument to be made. And if he's taking... not, then get off that site. Yes, I don't think there's a single argument to be made for anybody other than Kale McCarr this season. Current ADP on Yahoo is 5.6. Second defenseman off the board is 14.6. So he's going a full 10 spots, almost a full 10 spots ahead of the next highest defenseman. Coming off of a year where he just absolutely exploded, also just went off in the playoffs as well. And uh, yeah, there's really not much to say. This is the only defenseman you can legitimately say has a shot at like 30 goals this year, maybe even 100 points. So it reminds me a lot of Brent Burns back in the day. Uh, it's a little bit better, but what we used to see from Brent Burns, you love that production because you get a ton of shots, a lot of goals, steady point per game points. As Brock mentioned, I mean, there's not much more to say here. Um, kind of crazy. At one point last year, I believe it was around game 40, 45, um, McCarr was already at 18 goals. So he really did slow down uh, to close it. Maybe not slow down, but slow down in his pace to close out the end of the year. So realistically, 30 goals is not not even a crazy thing to assume this year. Um, I think McCarr, you know, makes a safe pick. And this is where we run into when is it safe to, you know, take him off the board. And right. uh, I think he's going at a pretty good ADP right now, a pretty fair ADP. Yeah. If you want to, uh, you know, if you want to forward on defense, this is this is what you're going to get. So, um, and I mean, who else is more fun to watch every night than, I think McCarr's right there with Matthews and, and McDavid on the fun to watch scale. So that's always good for a fantasy team. Um, you know, easy, easy number one here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I agree with you as well because on his ADP, I think it's I think it's pretty fair. It's right around where I would be interested in taking him. Uh, 5.6, I don't know if I'm going to end up with him in that many leagues because there's probably just a couple more forwards I, I would rather have probably in those first six or seven picks. Um, essentially, just those guys that you know we've talked about already, McDavid, Drysaddle, Matthews, Kaprizov, uh, McKinnon, and for me, Kucherov, um, I would take all over Makar. And then after that, it's Makar for me. Um, so those other guys, like I said, you either just love their potential to top 50 goals, uh, which obviously is a very rare talent or, you know, get close to 110, maybe even 120 points. Um, and for all of McCarr's upside and that, you know, really unique production on the back end, I would just rather have that personally than, you know, um, than, than McCarr's, like we say, 30 goal, maybe 60 assist upside, which he's phenomenal. And that's great production from the back end. So that's where I personally draw yes. the line. So for me, like I said, I have him at about probably eighth overall. Yeah, I have him at seven, uh, similar to you, the same six guys ahead of uh, him. I think the one thing that's so exciting for McCarr is, based on my projections, I have him at 23 goals, 23 and a half goals, almost 60 assists for 83 uh, points across 77 games. And that's good enough for the numbers to consider him like a top seven pick. Yeah. And those feel like conservative projections, like... Again, projections are, are usually, you know, they're just an average, right? They're, they're not going to be the guy's ceiling, but they're also not going to be his floor. But, I mean, in the same breath, you've got McDavid at 126, Leon at 115, Matthews at 102, Kucherov at 108, McKinnon at 98, and Kirill Kaprizov at 97. So, like, right. those, are, those are all fairly realistic numbers, and it would be difficult for any of those players to outperform those totals realistically, where McCarr outperforming 23 goals and 59 assists seems... Very easy for him to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, yeah, like he, he lands there at seven, but there's obviously a reason he could go at five. Yeah. And on it, like the slight issue with McCarr is that 
not issue, but in order for him, for me to be justified as like a top five pick. And the only way he really moves up any further is if he can break that 30 goal plateau, which yeah. we've only seen once since the year 2000. And that was Mike green in 08, 09, yeah. uh, when he potted 31 Brent burns for reference to get his career best of 29 goals needed 320 shots on goal. So McCarr was at 240 and 70 odd games last year. So it needs to up that shot volume a little bit because as great as he is, that 11.7% shooting percentage is very unlikely to sustain that. There's the anyone who end. can, though. He can, who, who but is, I mean... Yeah, in the last 20 years. That he's right, and his, his average point right of there. shot is definitely much, much closer than the average defenseman, but still, we're talking, like, top of the circle on average, right? Closer to the blue line. So it's just hard to maintain, obviously, like we said, 11.7% shooting percentage. But that's by design. You're a defenseman, you're shooting a lot of pucks on the net. It's more to get traffic and get pucks on the net than it is to score. So, um, yeah, like I said, he's he's elite in both, you know, the, the shooting situations and, and uh, positions that he gets in. Um, but we need to see a little bit more volume if I'm to feel really good about his potential to break 30 goals. Because otherwise, I don't know how he gets any better because he's already amazing. Um, and he's not going to score more than he did unless he ups his shot volume. And I think he needs to up it a bit to improve on that total. Because like I said, I think 11.7% is going to be tough to repeat this season. Yeah, I mean, we don't ever see defensemen in the uh, double-digit shot uh, shooting percentage. And But like you said, Makar is, is yeah. one that... And how many 23-year-olds are we talking about as for, like as first? Like even when Hedman was, you know... The, the number one guy to take. It's like we'd already seen his prime. Um, we were, he was in his prime at the time. Kind of same thing with Burns. So it's I think that the ceiling here is just kind of it's kind yeah. of wild. It's something we've never seen. But like you said, the only way that you hit that ceiling is with a few more yeah. shots. And it's something that he's fully capable of doing. So Yeah, and then, but there's Carlson too, right, who was having these 75-point years. I think we're talking a years. whole different breed though here. I just say this, this, yeah. the stat lines to date look really yeah. similar. Like his 23-age season, Carlson had 20 goals, 54 assists, 74 points. So, yeah, McCarr is a step above that. But if you're talking yeah. about like the aging curve, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if it's going to – like, I can't see his ceiling. Yeah, like, I don't think he's, gonna, he's amazing already. I don't like, think he's going to turn into a, on him. 120 points. Yeah. No, that's – yeah. So, like, yeah, there's only so much room to grow is all I'm saying. I think that there is a potential for the shot volume to grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, specifically, you got Nazem Kadri out of the mix now. He's had 247 shots a season ago. Heavy shot volume from Naz. I don't know if, if guys like Lekkanen, um, New Hook, Evan, Evan Rodriguez. Rodriguez are going to step in and and this, you know shoot the puck quite as consistently as maybe uh, Kadri was last year. So maybe it opens up a few op- more opportunities for somebody like McCarr. Yeah. And uh, I just think he needs to lead the league in shots for that to happen. And he he could like like I said, Burns did. And if McCarr wants to be that kind of volume shooter, he definitely could be. Yeah, and, and like I said, even if he scores 23 and finishes with 83 points in the season, yeah, he's still going right. to be the clear cut And he's still going to return value on that seven. I'm it, just talking it, it, about exactly, in terms of yeah. pushing into that top five. Like, we, we might not ever see him get any better, but he might do this year after year after year after year after year. Evan Rodriguez, 243 shots last year. Well, there you go. That's so no more extra shots for McCarr is what you're saying. Ah, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> if I want Evan Rodriguez or Kale McCarr shoot the puck, I think I'm going to lean towards Kale. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the other thing, too, like we're talking about 30 goals, 100 points, like, Roman Yossi on a significantly you know, weaker team last year almost went for 100 points. So yeah. uh, McCarr is certainly capable of doing it. 30 goals, I agree, is probably a little bit more far-fetched. But 100 points uh, is in the realm of possibilities for Kale this season. For sure. Uh, number uh, two on our list is Victor Hedman. All three of us have Victor Hedman at two. I went back and forth between Victor Hedman and Roman Yossi at, at two. Um, I just have a soft spot, I think, for Roman Yossi. I, we all do just because he's Swiss as well. I mean, but, 96 points, you're allowed to have a soft spot. Yeah, and I would have won oodles of money if he would have won the Norris Trophy last year. They gave it to Kale McCarr in the closest vote in NHL history, as far as I am as far as I know. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. So I, I have a real nice... Uh, I, I wish nothing but the best for Roman Yossi this year as well. But 
I think in terms of just talent around him, the quality of team around him, um, and just the consistency year after year, I think Victor Hedman is a slightly safer pick uh, than Roman Yossi this season. Yeah. But as far as ADP goes, Hedman is going 14.6. Yossi's at 20.6. So on draft day, I would rather have Roman Yossi a couple picks later. Um, but I think that's a very fair spot for them after McCarr goes end of the second round, uh, middle of the second round is a good spot for these guys. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think that's pretty in line. Like I said, I, yeah, ideally they'd be a little bit closer, but I don't think like Edmonds going super early or anything no. like that. Because like you said, there's just a, a certain rely- uh, measure of reliability there. Um, and while Yossi had one of the best you know seasons we've ever seen on the back end last year, it was not that it was out of nowhere. He had the season a couple years ago that was 65 points in 69 games where he was amazing, but it doesn't have quite the track record, obviously, that Hedman does, and more than anything, like you said, it's the supporting cast. That Predators team, we talked about guys like Forsberg, Duchesne. It was pretty much a team of guys who had career years last year, uh, a lot of very high personal shooting percentages, a lot of very high on shooting yeah. percentage. Um, so yeah, Yossi kind of falls into that camp where we just expect that whole kind of supporting cast and the team as a whole to score a bit less this season. So I would kind of imagine that he'll finish kind of in the closer to 70, 75 point range where you feel better simply because of, like we said, Tampa's weapons and that power play of Hedman's ability to maintain a point per game. Yeah. Well, not to, not to bring it up like we did in previous years, but before last year, there wasn't even a player at a point per game, um, season with Nashville or, uh, across an 82 game slate. So I believe three or four guys last year passed their, Paul Korea total that right. we, we love to bring up. I believe it was 76 points. So some aggression for sure. I don't think, you know, I think one of the biggest ones, we're not getting a 40-40 out of Duchesne. Um, we might, but come on. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that really helped those. Uh, I mean, when you're getting 73 assists, you're pulling you're pulling those out of every pocket whatsoever. Um, I love UOC, but yeah, to expect a 96-point year would be, would be crazy. I think if you get any of these top three, though, you're obviously laughing, which is kind of the way it's been the last little bit. Yeah, um, I think if you can get him at the back end of the second round, like, yeah. that'd be perfect. Cause, he like, makes one of those guys where he can either like be a almost a sleeper or a reach. Yeah. And that difference could be eight picks. Yeah, I think if, like, if you're at the swing or maybe you had the second or third pick, if you're pairing him with uh, McDavid, Matthews, yeah. or Dreisaitl, like, that just obviously sets you up really nice. Yeah. Cause, uh, and yeah, that's not, I like Brock said, probably not a luxury that you'll get with Hedman. I don't yeah. think Hedman will slide that far in most drafts. And only three defensemen in the whole league last year scored 20-plus goals. So if you're going to get one of those, um, you, and if you're going to reach for that, I mean, you're getting one of three um, out of, what, probably 120 defensemen um, that touch ice all year. There's way more than that. but um, <laughs> Not for, great math. But yeah, not right. good. Um, but yeah, I'm more blown away by the fact that only three defensemen hit 20 goals last year. So, yeah, it, it goes to say something. Also, um, only five over 200 shots. So he was one of them. Um, I think the one thing that needs to be said about Victor Hedman too is he had 20 goals and 65 assists and 85 points last year. Yeah. Um, career like high, 10. 85 points for Victor Hedman. And he was just drastically overshadowed by what Roman Yossi and Kale McCarr did. This is still an extremely, oh. extremely good defenseman. And the big concern for me with Roman Yossi was in his first 23 games last year, he had 20 points again elite <laughs> um, that would have been a 71 point pace over 82 games but that still would have fallen um, considerably short of what we saw from Hedman where in his final 57 games last year Roman Yossi had 76 points 109 point pace there's just no way that that level of just insane production is sustainable you know, into this season. It was a ridiculous run. He was picking up points every single night. He had um, one, two, three, four 
four-point nights last season. He had 12 games of three or more points. I mean, he was just ridiculous. And like we said a couple times now, that team as a whole, there's got to be some regression coming for them. And it's going to affect Roman Yossi probably more than anybody. Mm -hmm. But he's still, at his worst last year, was on pace for 71 points. And I still think that that's going to be close to good enough um, to be the number three fantasy defenseman, it'll be around that point or that mark. And again, that was the you know the worst stretch of his entire season. Yeah, and seventy one would add him fifth last year. So. Exactly. So he he's still as elite as they come, but Hedman just seems a little bit safer. So I think we can skip over Roman Yossi. We covered him pretty clearly. Obviously, all three of us have him at number three as well. Where things start to get different is at number four, where John Carlson comes in. Me and Dylan both had John Carlson at four. Beebs one spot later at five. John Carlson it was hard. Similar to Victor Hedman, kind of just seems to just get it done year after year. Uh, nothing really ever seems to change. He plays pretty much all of the games, rarely misses time outside of missing um, 13 games in 2020. He's been pretty uh, healthy for the last five or six seasons. He finished 10th in Norris voting a season ago, finishing with 71 points, 17 goals, 54 assists. So, uh, like, he, I think, is, represents a, a clear second tier here behind um, Hedman and Yossi because, you know, good season for him, 71 points. We just talked yeah. about how that was kind of like the the worst stretch of Yossi's season. So really, really consistent. He scored double-digit goals in five consecutive seasons. He's over um, 68 points in four seasons, the four full-length yeah. seasons that we've played recently. So, And actually, the last five years, he's leading all defensemen in points, yeah. which is just crazy. So it goes to show that production. He's sixth in shots, so he's filling the stat sheet across the board. Um, to me, he's almost in like a... He's almost in like a tier of his own. Like the guys right behind him here are are, are very close, but I just don't know if they they have the reliability that John Carlson. Has. I, I think his assists and his point production is on par with what you can expect out of Hedman and Yossi. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll she should outproduce them in terms of assists, and like I said, his point total should be pretty close to the two of them at the year end. He just hasn't really flashed the same uh, upside that we have. But I mean, Hedman hadn't flashed that upside before last year, right? So. Um, I love the value you're getting out of Carlson because I think if things just broke his way um, and Washington's way, like it could so easily just be yeah. Carlson who leads all defensemen in points. You know, maybe McCarr misses five, ten games, whatever, right? Like Carlson could easily uh, end up with 75 points. And if none of the other three guys, you know, have a, a banger year, um, then like, like I said, he uh, he could very well end up on top. So I, I think he's just great value there. And you're still actually getting really reliable Goal production out of him, like I said, not in that top or on the same level as that top tier, uh, but certainly more so than anyone else that falls behind him, considering his assist production that comes with it. You're saying value, uh, we forgot to mention his ADP is currently 39.1, right. which makes him the sixth defenseman off of the board. And uh, he comes 19 picks after Yossi and uh, 25 picks after Victor Hedman. So um, good value for sure. Yeah. Point production picks. could easily be uh, right on par there with um, with Hedman and Yossi. So I, ideally for me, like the way I would see like an ideal draft going is that you really, you know, take obviously one of those premier forwards in the first round uh, and then maybe two, you know, a couple of 90 to 100 point guys with maybe a little bit more upside in rounds two or three. And then you end up with Carlson as your number one, because like I said, he could very easily finish right on par with those other three guys and you're getting them two rounds later. Yeah. And Carlson's going 22 spots later than the next guy we're going to talk about, which is kind of bonkers. Um, but uh, yeah, you could little. you could realistically like start your draft with like Dreisaitl 
Zabanajad, Pasternak, Carlson. Yeah. yeah, and you're fine. And you're laughing. Yeah, you're, it's a terrific yeah, start to you your are, draft. You've uh, got you know four elite players. You might yeah, well the league fees at that point because you're going to be taking them straight yeah. to the bank. Like, so. like I said, I, I love them because I think you have a no doubter top five defenseman, and you don't have to really pass up on yeah. a premium forward to get them on your team. Another 100%. thing for him too, he's also played the second most power play minutes among any defenseman in the last five years. So he's just eating power play, and uh, we all know what Pretty that Washington play. power play has on it, and that's just Alex Ovechkin sitting there waiting to just bang him back, and uh, you know that's not going to change. So. Number five defenseman consensus for us is Adam Fox. I have him right at five. D, you have him a little bit lower at six. Biebs a little bit higher at four. Grades out overall at number five. As Biebs just mentioned, Adam Fox is going 22 spots ahead of John Carlson right now, 17.4 ADP. He's actually going ahead of Roman Yossi as well. Uh, For me, it's just the fact that Adam Fox just doesn't seem to have the same goal-scoring upside as these other guys. I mean, he had 11 last year. Prior to that, he had 5-8, and um, you know, still breaking into the league. But only 158 shots across 78 games a season ago. Had to shoot 7% just to get to 11. He's going to be hard-pressed to really continue scoring at double digit goals unless he increases that shot volume and he just does not have the same level of upside as these other guys i mean i have him projected at 10 goals 59 assists 70 points 69 if you take out the uh if you take out the decimals but nice yeah it's just like he he's a little bit behind um john carlson like point production wise could be very similar but goals he might fall five six seven goals behind uh, Carlson. So to me, it, it, it's a bit of a gap here between Carlson and Fox. Um, and that's kind of why I said John Carlson almost represents a tier of his own um, it, to me. Yeah. But Adam Fox, very, very good. Plays on an absolutely lethal power play. Yeah. He's going to be the big dog on that power play for the entire season. No one's going to threaten him for that spot. He's going to have Zibanejad with him. He's going to have Panarin. He's going to have Kreider. He's going to have Trocek. It's going to be a top five unit most likely. And he's going to continue to pick up power play points. Um, this year, I have him projected for 30 power play points. So, um, yeah. which very, very good. Would actually be three less than last year, which is uh, kind of wild. I guess I just had him a Carlson. I will say, after we've talked about it, and this does happen through these segments, I think I would move Johnny a little bit ahead of Adam Fox here. Like you said, just I love the goals. when we convince you. That's when you know we're doing I, a good job. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, I will say, the reason why I originally had Adam Fox here was obviously the ceiling at 24 years old. Like Brock said, he's only in his, going into his fourth season. He's uh, been right up there for the. I mean, so has Carlson, but right up there for the Norris in the last two. Um, There's just so much room for more from Adam Fox for me at 158 shots. If he can bring that to 200, I think he could be there with Carlson in the goal area. And and, and the assists are already there. Um, New York is one of those teams that I think, and I, I hate doing this, and I probably do it too often, but it's one of those teams where I think everyone on that team is going to be better this year. Um, They just, they got all these, these prospects who are, not prospects, even like Kako Lafreniere, who are supposed to hit alongside these, off. these other guys who are already uh, playing quite well. I just think uh, if it does all connect, Adam Fox is right in the middle of it. But so if you, you know, if you're feeling ballsy, take Adam Fox. But if you're feeling safe, which is realistically how you should play this, take John Carlson ahead of him. Um, again, you know, we've seen what we what we can get from Carlson. I guess I'm just really excited about what maybe we could get from yeah. Fox. But at the same time, when you're picking a top five D man. Maybe don't always go with what maybe we can get. Yeah, um, and you got either way you're getting seven. You have points. to take Fox in the middle of the second round. You have like his to. His ADP yeah. is seventeen, um, and like we said, Carlson you can get in the back end of the third. Yeah, if we're round, doing ADPs, so. Carlson's crushing him out of the thing. Um, yeah, but just on paper, straight up. 
Yeah. No, I hear it. And I'd be more inclined to buy into like, hopefully, you know, like obviously the upside if a shot volume doesn't prove because it's definitely there, I but like we just haven't team. like year to year, there hasn't been any progression yeah. with the shot volume. It actually got went down last year. Like he yeah. had 158 and 78 games. So yeah, it's just, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's really bad, right? Like he can't even get a, he's not above two shots a game and he's been very successful with this approach. He's got a lot of volume shooters around him. So I don't know how much it's going to change. Um, and I also think that like, if like, it's tough when they're there on his age curve because he can get better. At the same time, most players, you know, have realized most of their potential by 23. Guys like Fox who have been in the year for two or three years. If you go back and look at the track record, even guys like Crosby and Ovechkin, a lot of their most Four productive runs, years um, were in the early to mid-20s. So I don't know if that him being on that right side of the aging curve is going to be enough to offset the fact that I think there is going to be some inevitable uh, regression here because he's was at 12.6 on ice last year. His career uh, is 12.5%. Just for reference, Hedman and Yossi's are down at 11, so it's not a huge gap, but it's enough where, like I said, even if um, even if he does take a step forward in his you know game and his underlying numbers, that you know that return into the mean could be enough where you really don't see any of that improvement. Um, and Makar's for reference is 12% with all the talent he has around him, and obviously his above average shooting percentage as well. So um, it, it's just like I said, it's high. I think he's bound to have just a frustrating you know half of the year sooner than later where the puck's just not bouncing his way. Um, cause you just don't see defensemen like that. Just consistently maintain uh, a 12 and a half on ice percent or 12 and a half percent on ice shooting percentage. So yeah, there's just a little bit of red flags here, obviously. And I know you said the same thing with his ADP. I'm totally out. Um, yeah, yeah. but that's why for me, he wasn't even like all things considered equal, able to sneak into the top five, just cause like you said, the goal scoring and the shot volume just isn't anywhere close to the other. There's guys room for about. minutes though. He's, he's under 24 where all the rest are over 25. Yeah, so if you but give it's, him an extra minute and a half. Yeah. Then we're talking like 10 extra shots that the rate he shoots. Right. So it's not, I'm with you. And there's, that's the exciting thing about him is that if he, if he does shoot more, he's reaches potential. I just not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that I don't three know. Three years in. Okay. I, and, I just, I, I don't think, like I said, I think he's been fortunate to this point, And I, I think that, you know, I don't know how much better he's going to get and that it's, he's going to surpass what he's done. Uh, with, like I said, I think there's some aggression coming too. So yeah, I think if we're sitting here at this time next year and he's topped 200 shots, then we can we can have that discussion. But until then, it's just it, it, there's just not enough shot volume there to to really consider. Even just get about two shots a game, I'd be happy, right? Yeah, be chilling. Yeah. But uh, number six, I think, is one of the toughest guys to rank in the entire uh, fantasy hockey world. But at specific, you know, when we're talking about just defensemen. Aaron Ekblad comes in at six, and I have him at six. Beebs has him at six. Do you have him at five? Like to me, he could easily be top three, top four, but he just seemingly cannot stay healthy. And it's like I I hate like taking that into account. But when you miss as much time as Aaron Ekblad has over the last two seasons, it's difficult not to factor that in. But the production when he is on the ice has been absolutely. Um, nothing short of spectacular, specifically in terms of goal scoring. He has averaged 22 goals per 82 games in those two injury-shortened seasons. So if he can stay on the ice, this is one of the few defensemen with 20-goal upside. The assist totals, he had 42-61 and 61 a season ago. Obviously, assist totals could be great. He could realistically be a top-two fantasy defenseman if he plays the full season, but it's just very difficult to take that chance, take that risk, when you've got five extremely steady, extremely reliable options in front of him, which is why he lands at number six for me. ADP-wise, he's currently five. He's going 35th overall, four spots ahead of John Carlson, um, and then 15 spots after Roman Yossi. So 
if you don't land one of those top four defensemen and you like Ekblad more than Carlson, I, I certainly wouldn't fault you because I think that there is obviously some unrealized potential here and they're going around the same ADP. But I just think the risk factor with such a high draft pick is a little bit too much for me to stomach. I would probably have him as the sixth defenseman, which I, I do currently ranking him. Sure. Sixth defenseman off the board. If he falls there, if he falls around 40 right behind John Carlson, I am uh, I will take him and run. Yeah, I, it goes to, goes to say how good of a year he had. He was sixth in Norris voting, and he missed 21 games last year. That, <laughs> that's pretty bonkers. That makes the guy in seventh feel pretty shitty about himself when he's completing 82. It's like, oh, damn. Um, no, I could definitely there's there's an obvious case for him to to move up that board. Um, but like you said, Brock, just till till I get those full seasons where he can he can prove to just keep it together. Um, this is probably one of the only guys in the league where I'm actually like worried about health. A lot of guys, even like Kucherov, I'm like, well, he had two years, whatever. Ekblad, it's just it's a little scary. He did have two years where he put together 82 games, and if he does do that, um, then I think he's very worthy of that top five pick. But like you said, till that health's there. Um, either way, not often you can guarantee 10 plus goals. There's only 30 guys in the league who did it last year, so this is one guy where you can definitely do it. And uh, the 15 plus is an even even nicer uh, little bonus you get there from the heavy shooting Aaron Eckblad. I think the one thing that worries me as well is I I'm a little bit bullish, a little bit hesitant on the on the Panthers this year. I think losing Huberto is going to have a massive effect. Uh, I you know Matt Kachuk's great, but. You know, Mackenzie Weger too, like that that was his longtime was steady his partner with Aaron Eckblad. He literally came out in the media and said that he was he was sad to see Huberto and, and Weger go. And I think there could be a, a bit of an effect here on the Panthers. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. And if that's the case, I think we are we could also see uh, a slight dip in Eckblad's numbers. But nonetheless, still you know, very, very good. Just uh, quickly before I go to UD, uh, number seven in Norris voting last year was Chris Letang, who played 78 games. So... <laughs> Aaron Eckblad, better than Chris Letang in 17 less games. Fewer games. Um, yeah, I think like in terms of his assist production, there's some regression coming because like you said, Huberto's gone, but to me more than anything, he had a 13 and a half on ice. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, I don't expect him to be um, a point per game player you know, if I did with the amount of the goal scoring upside that he offers, I'd have him in my you know top three easily or at least probably uh, pushing out Carlson because that's the upside we like out of Carlson, but like we said, with more goals from from Ekblad. But yeah, it's just it's elite shot volume. It's elite goal scoring upside. I'll personally take that in, in drafts and I will always shoot uh, for the upside. Um, and I feel a little bit better about the injury history in that it hasn't been one recurring history. It's been different um, things. Yeah. yeah, right. It's been some crazy injuries. He Not had like the really bad neck and the concussion. He had the one, right? And then he yeah, broke his leg. leg yeah. And then he, uh, was it his hip or his knee? So it's concerning, but it would be more concerning for me if he kept hurting yeah. his knee or he, it's like, like he's he said, reoccurring, yeah. popping his shoulder. Exactly. Or, or just a recurring concussion history, like you said. But it's not the case. So I feel a little bit better betting on it. Um, and I don't think his ADP is that bad. I think it looks bad when you, when you know, with how high we all are in Carlson that he's going before him. But you could also just compare it to Fox. And like I said, I yeah. think it looks pretty good compared to Fox's. So, and even good. like if I'm getting him, uh, they, it, got, they got Cider as the next guy at yeah. 45 on ADP. If I'm getting him, you know, nine yeah. picks before Cider, I, I'm pretty content with that. Yeah. Sorry, Brock. I, I don't know if you'd agree, but um, it's just 
Yeah, like yeah. you said, that tier, like if we're breaking guys into tiers, I think we, we yeah. see the I, end of the tier. Like here. I said, I have above Fox, all things considered equal. Yeah. To me, like that's a toss up in terms of. Yeah, uh, it could easily of all go one way or the about. other. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously with how far apart they're going, like I said, that's not a decision that you're going to have the luxury of making. So, you know, just considering the fact that, yes, I would take Carlson before, obviously, uh, but if I don't have a defenseman yet and I'm feeling really good about how my team's built, and obviously all those other five guys that we've already talked about are gone. Um, then I would take Ekblad. I, I probably won't up with him too much because hopefully Carlson's there for me to take. Uh, and I would rather Carlson, but I, like I said, I don't think his ADP is bad in that sense. It's just that we'd all rather have Carlson, obviously. Um, just to point out, kind of you said how your team might be built. Uh, you could theoretically start Huberto, Ovechkin, uh, Ekblad, and then you know grab somebody else right around that same spot, whether it be Timo Meyer or even John Carlson. If you want to go back-to-back defenseman, if you want to go goalie, UC Saros. Yeah. So I wouldn't you, risk it. I would just take Carlson personally. Like I wouldn't risk trying to get him to fall back, but that's just yes. Well, he certainly wouldn't make it all the way back. But well, if, no. If you're taking Ekblad at 35, that's it would be, be right like, at a swing. No. Yeah, you'd have to go one, one, and then the other. It'd be thirty. It'd be the third and Ekblad. Ekblad would be the you're final right. pick of the you're third, right. yeah. and then your fourth. I got you. Your fourth pick would have to be Carlson or Saros or Timo Meyer. Again, we're just throwing out these names based on Yahoo ADP at the moment, but. Um, Moving on, we've got Chris Letang. Speaking of Chris Letang, speaking of Chris Letang finishing seventh, here he is at number seven. Me and D both have him at seven. Uh, Biebs has him at nine. Overall, he is our number seven defenseman. Chris Letang, when I was going through some of my rankings, is is literally just the most consistent guy of all time. Um, if we're talking about injury history, though, this is a guy that has you know missed significant time throughout his career, but has been significantly better uh, yeah. recently. He only missed 10 games in 2020, only missed one game in 2021, only missed four games in 2022. So a real um, you know turnaround here for Chris Letang in re- recent years, and he's been spectacular. He had 68 points a season ago, 10 goals, 58 assists. Uh, I went back and took a look at like all the top players from the last three years, and uh, took a look at where they kind of stacked up in every single statistical category. And Chris Letang just gets it done across the board. He scores goals. He picks up assists. Plus minus has always been solid for fantasy. The power play production has always been great. The shot volume has been reliable. And he also bangs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 171 <laughs> hits a season ago. So if you're in banger leagues, Chris Letang would certainly rise a couple spots in my rankings because he just he just bangs the ball. And um, he, he really has the the makeup of a guy who could be a top three defenseman in banger leagues um realistically if McCarr wasn't like just out of this world good he could have a realistic shot to be the number one defenseman in banger leagues so Latag has a little bit of hidden value in certain leagues but in leagues that don't even count hits the reliability there playing on a very good penguins team is there and you can pretty much pencil him in for double digit goals and 60 points yeah i, I love him in this spot like you said seventh off the board um he just, you know, in terms of why he's at seven and not within our, you know, top five or six guys, I just, he doesn't do, like you said, he does everything well, but he he's not elite in any one of those categories compared to some of these guys we talked about. Like his assist totals, uh, he's only top 50 once, right? Um, goals, he's only scored more than 15 twice and even double digits, or sorry, three times, but um, double digits can sometimes be a push for him. And that's simply because he's got a career shooting percentage of 5.9%, which is only a little bit low for a defenseman. Um, it's probably right around average for league defensemen, but a little bit low in terms of what you would expect from a power play, um, number one defenseman on a team. So 
Yeah, and that's where it's been the last couple of years, right? 5.3, 4.7. So that's there's just not quite as much upside because, like we said, he's he's going to shoot uh, a good amount, but it's not, you know, the Brent Burns or, like, the current, the Kale McCarr, the Roman Yossi levels. It's not there. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't think you can rely on the assist production as much. Obviously, there's a little bit of injury concerns. So when you add all that up, it's just it, it's not enough to get him in that top tier. But I'm with you. I like his value for where he's going. Um, I do have him in a couple of leagues already. And I think he's he's a good fit um, this season in terms of where he's going. I think he's an easy return on value there. Yeah, his ADP is spectacular. He's currently the tenth defenseman off the board, That's so crazy. clearly um, we like him a lot more than the the fantasy community. His ADP right now is fifty nine point three, which is which is tasty. Um, would certainly be looking to pick him up as a number. You you know if you really want to go goalie and, and and forward heavy early, you can certainly pick up Chris Letang as your you know your number one defenseman a few rounds yes. later, which is a nice way to start. And just to kind of point out like what you're saying is he's like really good in certain areas, but not quite just elite. Norris Trophy voting the last four years, he finished sixth, seventeenth, ninth, and seventh. So he's just kind of right there on the periphery of being, even that in general. Like we're know, talking an average finish of the like eighth best defenseman across those four years. Like that's the eighth best fantasy defenseman, pretty yeah. much. When you, I mean, maybe it doesn't translate exactly. That it probably a little hard. Like, it's probably a little harsh on yeah, it too, right? Absolutely, like, yeah. Because yeah. even last year, like. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'd probably take 81. Like in a Norris race, I'd take 81 games of Latang over 61 of Backblad. Yeah. In think, a Norris race, I think that team has just different. been with you know. Obviously, so the Penguins are still so a very competitive team, um, but you know they're not quite as they're not the juggernaut they used no. to be. And it's it's hard to. I think they're very fortunate with how healthy he's been the last few years because it's hard to imagine uh, kind of the shape of that blue line that they'd be in without Chris Latang, right? Like there's yeah. just he does so much work on that back. Bring end. my like, boys plays in all Smith. situations. Yeah, I mean, there's some. Solid NHL oh. players in there, but you don't feel good about <laughs> no Dumoulin, Patterson, Petri, Smith, Aruda leading that blue line, right? So, yeah, I think he's just such a game changer for them, and he's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I Great love hair. where we have him ranked here. Am I the only one that's just stunned by the fact that he's 35 already? Yeah. <laughs> no, because it feels like he's been around forever. He has been, but 35 yeah. seems like a little harsh. I feel on like him. I've watched Tanger go longer than I've known you, Brock, and I've, I've known you I for feel like, like 20 we're, years. We're rating this, uh, we're rating this like... Uh, right on the edge of a cliff where we're yeah. going to really start seeing the guys that we've watched our whole lives <laughs> retire and it's going to feel make it's going to make really, really well, he, he was already in it for about yeah. four or five years before he really kind of broke out right there's, so that's probably yeah probably no, where there's from. nothing worse than someone you used to play against getting called a veteran yeah yeah when you're out there it happened a few years ago it was, I, forget, I think it was binnington they're like the veteran and i was like F- he's i played against that guy one time and he is you know 29 years old really gets you um but uh, yeah, I, I uh, I'm actually the one who had Latang out of my top, I guess as my seventh pick, um, mostly yeah, for yeah, you me. Had him at nine. I had him at nine, and uh, you put him in a bag with the other two names I had there, which is Morgan Riley and Quinn Hughes right after him. And I think you could you could choose pretty blindly there and be all set. Um, all three of these guys had 68 points last year. That was Latang's career high. Um, it was also Riley and Hughes' career high. But for both of them, um, I just I, for 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 Hughes, it's the ceiling. For Riley, it's the team around him. Um, I love Riley's shooting. He actually had seven more shots than Latang last year, and that's just where I kind of put him in there while playing a minute less. So uh, so that's why I had those guys there. But at the same time, I actually love all these guys. If you can uh, if you can get any of them, kind of around where they're going, Hughes is going the highest right now at fifty point five. Uh, Riley at 54.7, and then, uh, as we mentioned, Latang at 59. So I would say if you're going based off ADP, Latang would rank the highest out of these for me, just those those nine later spots, you can get some value there. Yep. Um, but as a whole, I think we're looking at a clear 
you know, 10 goal, 60 assist tier right here. Maybe not clear, but that's kind of what I see out of no, all this these is, guys. This is, this is a very obvious tier of three guys that are basically the exact same. Um, none of them are elite. All three of them play on very, very good hockey teams um, that also have very, very good power plays. So um, we have Quinn Hughes at eight and Morgan Riley at nine. Just to give the individual rankings, um, I have Hughes at 11, Morgan Riley, or sorry, Hughes at 8, Morgan Riley at 11, Beebs has Hughes at 7, Riley at 8, yeah. D has Hughes at 9, Riley at 8. So they're very, very similar in our rankings, landing 8th and 9th respectively. Um, but yeah, Hughes has the higher ADP and is ranked a little bit higher for us. Like you said, 50 for Hughes, 54.7 for Riley. But like, there's really like everything we just said about Chris Letang, other than the bang and bods, uh, you can say the same thing about Quinn Hughes and Morgan Riley. Yeah. They're, they're reliable. They've been solid. The, the yeah. well, Hughes, the, I think, is more of like the Fox built and yeah. that he just doesn't really shoot quite enough to push in that level. And again, that's what's exciting about Hughes, right? 22. Hopefully there's, we can see room. that improve because... Yeah. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, I, I think he definitely could. And in that regard, like I, I think Hughes is actually a decent value at, at fifty for yep, his ADP. Because, yeah. like I said, I, I could see him and Fox finishing with pretty similar stat lines by the end of the year. Remember when Hughes and McCarr were one and the same? Things have changed. Yeah. Well, yes. It's, I wouldn't. Say, it's not like it's. It's Hughes not. It's fall. huge. Yeah, but no, it's not Hughes at all. <laughs> in seventy-six games, but yeah, no, exactly. Twenty more goals is crazy. Um, no, not Hughes' fault at all. He's playing great. The yeah. only thing I'd say is the power play production, like. Hopefully he can repeat that, but 31 assists yeah. is going to be JT uh, Miller's going to be key in that if he can, you know. But yeah. no Brock Besser to start the year. That's a key shot off yeah. the top. Yeah, but it's, it's the, like I said, it's the same recipe that Fox has. You just feel a little bit better about that Rangers power play doing that damage again yeah. than, than you do the Canucks. I would much rather have Quinn Hughes, who's basically just the exact same thing as as Fox. Yeah. Like, you know, he's going tw- um, 33 picks later. Oh, yeah, I yeah. agree. It's crazy. Like, I it's, totally agree. That's a full three rounds later, uh, and it just doesn't make sense to reach for Fox in that spot because yeah. when you look at it, there's really no room for probably either one of these guys to grow too significantly in terms of their point production. Right. Like, yeah. It's going to be hard for Quinn Hughes to top 60 assists. Like, 60 assists, that's a lot of assists. Yeah, and yeah. It, I think and if he shoots, and that's the thing, how I feel with Fox, right? yeah, I think if he shoots thing. more, like, his assists are going to probably yeah. take a hit. Like, so... Yeah. Because it, it would take like a drastic change in how they approach the game. Yeah. Right? Well, like you go from Adam Fox basically just teeing up Mika Sabanajad every single time. Chris Kreider's 52. Yeah, yeah then, exactly. Then, right. If Sabanajad doesn't score on that one team on the power play, then Kreider just cleans up in front of the net. Like, and then Fox just gets a secondary yeah. assist. And it's or like, it just keeps happening. Or he throws it back door to Panarin. Like, there's just. Yeah. Well, just to show like the value, if you were to not draft Fox, you could take a top goalie, have a have a goalie one, a legitimate top five goalie one, get Quinn Hughes, and have. Pretty much, even if it's a five-point difference in point production, you're still getting... A, I'll take a goalie one for five points. Yeah. I'm and down with that. Hughes, cool. there's a couple of um, guys we'll talk about later in the show. Um, maybe we'll shout them out before we go to break, or, or maybe we'll just see if they come up uh, during the second half. Um, but yeah, there, I think there's some guys that don't offer anywhere near the point production that like a Hughes does, but um, they can give you some really reliable you know, 10 to 15 uh goals double digit goal production that can really help uh, balance your blue line and in a way that like i said uh, like you said bees makes a lot of sense in in draft building this year so yeah i like Hughes a lot i think he's a great great pick for where he's going and i'm not worried about like i said the lack of goal scoring upside there because like i said i think there's a few defensemen you can get uh in kind of the 100 to 120 range that can pretty reliably offer you uh, like a 15 goal pace. Get yourself a Goss to spare later on. Yeah, or Wierenski, yeah. Dougie are the two that really come to mind for me. So uh, Morgan Riley, 82 games a season ago, 68 points, 10 goals, 58 assists. Outside of 2020, 
this guy really has never missed time. No, he's a freak. Mm-hmm. Going four spots after Quinn Hughes. 221 shots a season ago is the second time in his career that he's topped 220 shots. Second time he's topped 200 shots. But um, the goal scoring upside is certainly there. We're not going to see him score 20 like he did in 2019. But uh, double digits certainly seems doable. He could. It would need some significant puck luck. But it's like he shot 9%. That's just really high for him, right? But it's not like outrageous. No, yeah. He would have to get lucky. Exactly. I think drafting Morgan Riley, banking that he's going to score 20 would be crazy. No, but But, he has more, obviously, goal scoring upside than Quinn Hughes. Yes. But like, yeah, 4.8% on the on his career average is 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 probably you know he never really deviates too far Mm -hmm. from there except for that one year so if you remember that year too like there were some pretty ridiculous goals like i remember one in particular that just summed up the whole season where he was literally keeping the puck in at the blue line turned and like blindly threw it on net and it went off a defenseman's ass and in so um that was the kind of puck luck he was getting it happens sometimes but yeah like he's gonna score double digits probably just 10 maybe 11 but then the assist numbers are gonna be great um 21 power play assists a season ago he has a career high of 24 in that same season or no sorry in 2018 um so yeah he'll probably flirt with with that same kind of 50 to 60 assists, double-digit goals. I don't think that he's an, a guy at, at 28 years old that's going to just explode. This no. Maple Leafs um, team, this Maple Leafs power play unit has been very, very good for a number of years, and, and he's capitalized on that. Yeah. But I don't think there's really any room for, for significant growth here. We, we, this is this is who Morgan Riley is, and and it's it's very good. It's a yeah. very reliable number one defenseman, and you get him as the ninth defenseman off the yeah, board. Yeah, you can enjoy it at 55 um, if that's where you're getting them, that is totally cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, my only thing that stands out is only 23-44 last year. If Riley can push up to 25 minutes there, that could uh, help those assist numbers a little bit. But like you said, we know we know what we're getting. And it's, yeah, and just it's never really, really done that in his career. Yeah, right? so why would to... he? And there's there's other young talent around there. You got Sandin, you got Lilligren when he's healthy. I don't know yeah. when the hell he's coming back. But Sandin you got other guys who are looking to take uh, minutes. Mark Giordano. Yeah, but the, the minutes, nice thing yeah. is there's no threat to that power play. No, if he's not healthy, at all. Right? Not yeah. since Barry has left. No one's so. coming in. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big Gio's not taking it? He is not. No. We will throw him up there for 15 seconds at a time with the second unit. (laughs) Throw one up the board. (laughs) Let Nylander wheel. Yeah. Riley needs to stay healthy because they don't have, like I said, an adequate replacement there unless they sign Rasmus Sandin. And not that I think he's an adequate replacement for Riley, but he can obviously fill in there. We have a mock draft episode coming up uh, later this week. And just to point out where Morgan Riley went in that draft, fifth round, right around his ADP. That team started with Igor Shosturkin, Matt Kachuk, Alex Demarinkat, and Jack Eichel. And then has Morgan Riley as their number one defenseman, which is a, a, a pretty solid team ahead of him. Lots of goal scoring upside. And Riley fits nicely as a number one defenseman on that team. So um, 54.7, a very that's nice a, ADP. That's a 12-team league, by the way, for the listeners. Yes, 12-team yep. league. Yep, so. But we will have the full mock draft coming out uh, later this week. And number 10, closing out our consensus top 10 is Shea Theodore. I have him at 9. I am the highest. Uh, we've got Dylan at 10. Beebs has him at 13. He is overall our consensus number 1. I guess since I'm the highest on him, I will start. I just love the goal scoring upside with Shea Theodore. Uh, he had 205 shots last year. He has been on pace. You know, Obviously, the, the COVID short season kind of throws all the numbers out of whack, but it would have been the fourth consecutive season that he's had 200-plus shots. Mm-hmm. Um, if that would have been a full season, the COVID short season would have been the fourth consecutive season that he had double-digit goals. A season ago, he had 14 goals, 38 assists, 52 points, which were both career highs for him. Uh, sorry, career highs across the board there for him. Uh, played 23 minutes. This is, a, this is just like the only concern with Theodore is the fact that Alex Petrangelo yeah, is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Theodore seems to be the the guy that takes, you know, 
it's hard to say because like they've been really they split for years. It's kind fought. of been just like power play A and yeah. B, and like there's really no go to unit. Um, they kind of just but like now this isn't the team that it was before, right? Yeah. Um. So you know maybe they play together on the top power play. You knew they're gonna have to change the way they approach things. And um, regardless, Theodore has not really been um a guy who's had to rely on the power play production to get his numbers. So. Anything else, if he ends up being the go-to guy on that power play unit, anything else you get from him is just gravy. A season ago, he had just one power play goal. In the last three seasons combined, he has just two power play goals. Uh, the the power play assist totals, 15, 15, and 11. Nothing crazy. So the anything, if he gets that power play usage, it's gonna he's going to explode, right? So I think he's a guy that's going to probably score 15 goals. He's going to have 40 assists. So his goal production is a little bit better than these guys going just above him, but the assist production is not quite there. So to me, he's right. He's, he nestles in right behind Letang, uh, Hughes, Riley, right in that range. Um and then there's a s- severely untapped potential here from him. I think he's deservedly in the in the right spot. In the last four years, he's tied for ninth in both goals and points among all defensemen. So you, you're getting a top 10 value out of him the last four years. And he's kind of been slept on for all those years. Being so, slept on this year, his ADP is currently 86.6. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of crazy for someone who's been that consistent. And like you said, I think that everyone's mind goes to Alex Petrangelo being the first guy... Um, out there and that's honestly why I had him out of my top 10 but at the same time if we are going off what he's done lately you know this this guy is just the model of consistency so um top, top 10 fantasy production in goals and points for defensemen is unbelievable for someone like this and yeah last year seventh in goals 14th in points fourth in game winning goals eighth in shots these are three of those categories he was top 10 and right there um totally justifiable this year yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a little bit twofold. I, part of it is has to do with the fact that the power play hasn't been great the last few no, years yeah. there, right? Like mm-hmm. it was 18% last year uh, in the bottom 10 <laughs> in the league. Um, but having said that, he had, like you said, 11 power play assists. Quinn Hughes had, like we talked about 31. earlier, uh, 31. And that uh, team, Vancouver's power play was at 23%. So it is much more tied to usage um, than it is in, in terms of, uh, like we said, just the fact that you know the weapons might not be quite as potent. If you look at their power play time last season, 192 minutes for Theodore actually led the Golden Knights. Uh, Petrolangelo was at 177. So obviously much, much closer to an even split than you used to see with most teams. They do sometimes, or they did at times last year, use both of them on the power play. I yeah. think with I mean, them why being not? fully healthy. Yeah, it made more sense last year yeah. with Eichel out, Stone out, Pacioretty out at times, right? But So I, I think now when they're healthy, it makes less sense. And hopefully we see that less. And like we said, Hopefully Theodore comes out on top because yeah, it's it's it, that's the exciting thing about him is this is, he feels like the first one we talked about that there's like a really easy path for him to break through to that next level yeah. right because the goal scoring is so good the assist holes have just lagged behind and it's it's always been because of the power play production so yeah. and the floor is just so nice like yeah you know what you're gonna get and that, that's the nice thing is that you're drafting him at his floor right but he has some very very obvious upside and he really doesn't need to do anything differently he just needs to get more opportunity that we all think should hopefully be coming to him. So we'll see. Like I said, it's not a slam dunk, but you don't need to bet on it happening. That's the nice thing. You can take him at his ADP uh, and then hope it does. And another guy that like pairs really well with the Quinn Hughes because you're getting maybe not quite that um, elite level of assist production, but some very reliable goal production. Currently being the 15th, uh, drafted as the 15th defenseman off the board. And yeah, I'm not going to just, you know, beat the drum again, but he was 31st in power play usage among defensemen in the NHL a season ago. Um, 228 per game, like you said, slightly more than Petrangelo, but room to grow. Like it, it's too bad they both don't have like a team that they could just lead the power play on. 
together yeah. or we're, like separate. We're going to talk about a couple players who can break out later in the show. And Theodore is not one, but he is like, he, because we made our top 10, he's a clear breakout candidate this season. Um, your breakout candidate is almost in the exact same situation that sure. Theodore is in. We'll get to that in the second half of the show. But just to close out our top uh, 15 fantasy defensemen, coming in at 11 was Marit Sider. I had him at 12. Biebs had him at 10. Dylan also had him at 12. Dougie Hamilton was 12. I had Hamilton at 10. Biebs had him at 14. Dylan had him at 11. Number 13 was Rasmus Dahlin. I had him at 14. Biebs had him at 12. D also had him at 14. Uh, 14 is Zach Rowenski. I had him at 13, Biebs at 16, Dylan at 13, and rounding out the top 15 is Devon Taves. I had him at 17, Dylan at 16, Biebs at 11, and then, yeah, that's it. There's one more tidbit I just meant to add in with Theodore is that we did see that distribution in terms of the two power play units start to shift pretty drastically once Eichel was healthy. So if that trend continues, just another reason to love Theodore this year. Yeah, like I think... They're good. They're a worse team. They lost Pacioretty. Like they're going to have to concentrate yeah. the talent on one of those units, and and you know maybe it, it's the fact that Eichel's healthy this year, and you were adding in Phil Kessel, and if Theodore can land that spot, like that could be yeah. a, a really good uh, top again, power unit. Opposite, not necessarily that Theodore is still on the right side of the aging curve, but he's 27 years old. He's what you would expect to be in his prime of his career, and Petriangelo at the age where we maybe you know wouldn't be shocking to see him take a step back sooner or later. Yeah. Theodore, to me, like, I'm not the coach of the team, but the, the other the other thing is, yeah. uh, you, you never know. Leave but, him on the bus like they did yeah. Gaunt. They're <laughs> off the bus. But the other thing is, too, um, new coaching staff in, um, you know, Pete DeBoer, we'll see how everything shakes out there. Sure. Um, sorry. he's at, Pete DeBoer is actually now in Dallas. Yeah. New coach in Bruce Cassidy, former Bruins. You had me. uh, I was ready to believe it was No, sorry. He was there. He was there. Now, DeBoer is in Dallas. Cassidy is in Vegas. So, Cassidy is a guy that... And where's Bonus? Bonus is in Winnipeg. Good job. He took the C from Blake. Yes. (laughs) Um, But Bruce Cassidy is a guy that we've seen during his days in Boston concentrate all of his talent on that top power play. Yeah, you've got Marshawn, you've got Bergeron, yeah. you've got Pasternak, uh, all on that top line, all on that top power it's play. Kind of smart. So it wouldn't yeah, so it wouldn't <laughs> be it wouldn't be uh out of the realm of possibilities for him to go with that same idea um in coaching philosophy in Vegas and hopefully Theodore is that guy. But that's enough. This is not the the Shea Theodore yeah. podcast. I just I was I'm very excited about getting him at his ADP of eighty six point um six this year so that's gonna do it for the first half enjoy the blue stones we'll see you guys back here in 60 seconds it's not over now don't lay your flag and turn away it's not over now not this way so blow a kiss and wrap me up darkness make it quick before the feeling sticks and holds i can't see no other way to complain so pick up your bags and we Don't
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to season eight, episode five of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Berthium. Hope you guys enjoyed those sweet licks from the Blue Stones. Um, if you're in southwestern Ontario, yes. uh, the Blue Stones will be hosting an album release party um, on a date that Beebs is going to tell us, right? Yeah, now. it's uh, it's actually a Thursday night. It's November 3rd out at the old Walkerville Theater. Uh, I already got my tickets. It is a, it's going to be a pretty electric show. I will say the price is pretty phenomenal if you're a fan. Um, I would pay this price just to see them play our opener uh or not our opener our uh the tune you just heard on the the uh the break there but yeah no blue stones great guys support if you're in the area uh i don't think you can find a 30 dollar blue stone show ever uh so yeah so if you can find one if you can find one now and get yeah. there it's the move and their new album pretty monster will be out on that same date hell yeah uh me and beebs will be there at the album release party so if you are there come and say hey come if say not hey. just uh, you know, get the check out the album, give it a listen. We're gonna try and convince Brock to come. I'll be at home confirming goalies yeah. and lineups. So Brock will be so there. He's gonna enjoy his night off. That's we'll get it. two yeah. beers and a Brock the night of, and he will be there. Yeah, Most absolutely. <laughs> and uh, rumor has it it's called Pretty Monster, named after Brock. So um, yeah, so there that's you go. a little uh, that that's definitely yeah, not a sure. That describes him aptly for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get back <laughs> into the second half of the show though. Um, again, going through defensemen, sticking with the same formula. We gave you guys the top ten. And now we're going to work our way through our sleepers, bus, and breakouts. Um, so we will start with Biebs, uh, and we'll start with the sleeper, Biebs. Who do you think the general public is sleeping on this year? This works great after we finished our top 10, because this guy actually came in for us, I believe, number at 12. number 12. So just, just outside. But uh, Dougie Hamilton is the dude that we are snoozing on this year in drafts. Dougie's kind of been crazy the last couple years. Um, his first season in New York or in New Jersey, sorry, was nothing short of a disaster. He posted his lowest career goal totals, which is nine, or sorry, his lowest total since 2013. Um, so basically, a career eight years, um, but nine and 30 points, which is pretty crazy from a defenseman that that's your lowest um, in that eight-year span. His minus 19 and 4.16 shooting percentage were both career worse, um, and even after that down year included 
Um, Dougie Hamilton still ranks third in shots, fourth in goals, and 19 in points amongst defensemen in the last five seasons, making him realistically a perennial top 15 draft pick. And Dougie's currently going at 104 ADP. Um, this just makes him a massive His guard. ADP is ridiculous. Yeah, 104 is where I'm going to talk about my bust right after this, so it makes it quite an easy transition. But with that at least shot volume, you're basically a lock to get 200 shots if he stays healthy all year, something you cannot get from that many people. Um, you know, I just think that, that he's in for a big year. The one thing that hurt him last year, Damon Severson started playing on that top power play unit, started taking up some time. Dougie, full year of health, should find his way back up top there. New Jersey is one of those teams that we've talked about a few times. There's a lot of there's a lot of talent that should do well. D's boy Jack Hughes out there, if he can take that step to, you know, um, I'd pro- probably step on your toes here because I know that you were coming in with this. But if Jack Hughes can take that step forward, everyone around him takes the step. And Dougie being a guy who's proven he can get to 70 points is, uh, is, is, is a phenomenal asset. And someone that if you can get at 104, we could realistically be talking about him in, uh, inside our top 10 next year. Um, so yeah, I, I love me some Dougie. I think that's a great sleeper. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just love how you just read it and you're like, I think that's a great sleeper. Yeah, no, <laughs> no people should is, just he, know he's like the most obvious sleeper on the board, maybe here. ever in like um, all year. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty low. His shot volume is just ridiculous, right? Like it, it's he's been a guy that we've been in love with forever. Um, even though he only played, you know, even though he missed 20 games last year, like he still almost scored double-digit goals, yeah. shot 4.6%, which is his lowest of his career. Like, There's just so many things that went wrong, um, and there's so many things that should go better in New Jersey this year. Like, yeah. there's just... It can't go worse. There, there's a couple defensemen down there that don't make a lot of sense to me, but, like, Dougie Hamilton sticks out immediately. As you mentioned, he was number 12 on our consensus rankings. His ADP of 104.1 makes him the 22nd-ranked defenseman off the board. So he's going 10 defensemen later. And he's more than likely going to lead defensemen in, in shots per game. This you would yeah. almost... It's, so. it's an almost guarantee. So just to put it in perspective, we had him at 12... It, the number 12 defenseman is Drew Doughty going at 79.1. So he's going a full, like, 25 picks earlier than Dougie Hamilton. We're looking at names like Patrick Line, Drake Batherson that you could take at that time. Even goalies like Swayman and Jack Campbell. Those are guys who I'd, if I could take them and then, you know, go get Dougie later on, that uh, that rounds out my roster a lot better than I wouldn't even wait. I wouldn't Drew even Doughty. wait on Dougie. Oh, not even. I would say take him. I think if you take him at that 70 spot, just replace where Doughty's going with where Dougie's that's going. That's what I'm saying. And uh, like one for one, and that's probably, you're probably pretty good there. Let other people make that mistake. I actually Drew have Doughty. Dougie Hamilton ranked at 65 overall. Whew. Like, so he's going where, not, not so even 70 like, would be a steal. Yeah, like you're going, Devon Taves is going 68.6. Like, that's where I think Dougie. He should be going. Um, yeah, I mean, we have him ranked at 12. I have him going as the number 11 overall defenseman. Like, that's... He's going way too late. He's the biggest sleeper on this episode, for sure. Like, yeah. we're gonna... Me and D are gonna both give you guys... Or I give snagged you, the obvious one. Yeah, good names, but, like, Dougie is the clear-cut number one f- defenseman sleeper. Yeah, I... Uh, you look at what happened when Hughes went out at the end of last year yeah, too, right? Dougie's big. last 14 games, he had just three assists, not a single power play point. And that's the thing that, you know, I'm really banking on is I think that power play will be better this season. I think it has to be because, like I said, I think Jack Hughes is really going to emerge as one of the 10 or 15 best skaters in, in the NHL this season. Um, and, you know, I obviously think there's there's room for more growth than that. Um, the boys here know I got a little bit of a wager on Do you like Jack? Jack to take home the heart this year. So... 
well, I just think, you know, you get the Devils into the playoffs and, and you top 90 points yeah. or get close Taylor to 100 points, you win the heart. That's Taylor Hall showed that. So, um, but no, I think, like I said, I think that power play is going to be better. It has to be. They clicked at just 15% last year. Uh, and Dougie is a guy historically who does not need a whole lot of power play production to be within that elite level defenseman doesn't offer that assist upside that, you know, the elite guys do, but obviously with where he's going, that's okay. Like I said, uh, as reliable goal scoring production as any defenseman in the league and someone that we would expect to lead all defensemen in shots. And he's being drafted as the 22nd one off the board. So I think there's some legitimate red flags in that, um, he was pretty terrible when he returned from injury last year. But again, I think there was some circumstantial evidence around that he played just 21 21 minutes a game last year um so there's a lot of room for growth and there's a lot of room for bounce back and the big thing is with where he's going or even like you pointed out brock you could take him two or three rounds before that uh and that risk is well mitigated there so um yeah i I love him with where he's going this year uh and really like you guys expecting and and hoping for a bounce back because fantasy hockey is just a little bit more fun when dougie's ripping 300 shots a season Just a reminder, he is in the second year of a seven-year contract that has a $9 million cap hit. So he's going to get minutes. He's going to be on that top power play unit. He's locked in. Just needs a bounce back. Just needs it to just be a little bit better. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I did a deep dive uh, a few weeks ago about what the devil's power play looked like when Jack Hughes was there, when Dougie Hamilton was there, and then when they were not. And I don't know if this is going to come as a big shock to you guys, but the Devils power play was significantly better with both those guys on the ice. So healthy Jack, healthy Dougie will go a long way for the Devils this season. Um, I'm just going to go next because I've got Eric Carlson as my sleeper. Eric Carlson's ADP is even more outrageous than Dougie Hamilton's, just not quite as good of a player anymore. But Eric Carlson's ADP is currently 142.2. He is going, on average, as the number 38 defenseman off the board. So that means you can have Eric Carlson as your number four defenseman. You know, obviously, Eric Carlson is not who... Eric Carlson once was, but he is still uh, very, very good. And now he doesn't have to deal with Brent Burns in San Jose anymore. Uh, in his prime, obviously, he was just a different kind of, of dude back then. Like, he was the Kale McCarr of, of today. But even last season, he had 35 points in 50 games. And if we play my extrapolation game, which I always enjoy to do, that is a 57-point pace. Ooh. That is very, very good. That is, you know, number two fantasy defenseman bordering on number one fantasy defenseman levels if he can stay healthy and play full 82 games. You don't really have to worry about that. Like, at 142, who gives a shit? You can pick him up as your third defenseman without any worries in the 120s if you want to. And he's a guy, even when he played 52 games, he had 10 goals. He's got double-digit goal upside. He has, you know, 40 assist upside still. And I said a couple weeks ago, I can't remember. I think it might have been the Timo Meyer or Tomas Hurdle when we were talking about one of those guys. I actually like the Sharks a little bit. I think they're going to be a little bit better than people give them credit for. Um, and it starts, obviously, with Carlson on the back end. So not really a whole lot of competition for minutes out there anymore. Mark Edward Vlasic's about 130 years old. Yeah, older than the Pickles. Yeah, so there's oh, just... Vlasic Pickles. Like, like Carlson, you got Jacob Magna, Mario Ferraro, <laughs> Mark Edward Vlasic, Radim Shimmick. Matt Benning, and then maybe Ryan Merkley. Like, there's just no competition for minutes. Merkley would be the only one to even yeah. remotely threaten his chances on the top power play unit. But, like, if they take off Eric Carlson off the top power play unit, they 
shouldn't have oh, jobs. They're, they're but, throwing it for Bedard if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, so over the last, nice. over his four years in San Jose, just to give you guys an idea, he's averaged 24 minutes a night, and he's averaged, um, sorry, he's averaged 55 points per game uh, or 55 points per 82 games. That's the kind of production that you can expect, and that production all came with Brent Burns still on this yeah. team. A lot of times they did play on the same power play unit. Oftentimes it was Brent Burns on one, Carlson on the other. This is Carlson's show now. Yeah. I don't think I have to even try too hard to convince you that Eric Carlson at 142.2 is a steal. Is a steal. Yeah. Um, yeah. 55.82. He's going behind Noah Hannafin. We love like Burns in the same spot last year, yes. and Burns easily returned value, and now they're not both there competing for minutes and, and power play time. So, yeah, I, I think it's a no brainer. Like Brock said, I think he's an absolute lock for that 55 point pace. And I know it probably would stun some people to say because, you know, he feels pretty over the hill at this point. But I think this is the best chance he has to get back um, anywhere close to the production he showed in Ottawa, at least his last couple of years when he was around yeah. 71, 62 points. I don't know if we've seen a healthy a version of him. Yeah, and bit. that's a concern. But, yeah. I mean, it's his ADP no, is like at he, 140, he right? Now, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... Um, yeah, so it's he's just in such a good spot, and it's a guy that you can legit take as your third or fourth defenseman um, that's going to be playing a ton of minutes and just commanding power play time. So, yeah, I think when yeah. you look at the other guys going around him, like he just jumps out at you because yeah. he's really the only clear-cut, you know, number one power play defenseman left there that isn't going to be hurt for half the year. So Like we got him and Jake Sanderson next to each other, and Jake Sanderson, for all we know, could be playing 14 minutes a night yeah. as Ottawa's sixth defenseman. Yeah, um, and honestly, like you got to consider things like plus minus uh, like that, depending on your league. But like someone like McAvoy, like I would think that their point per game production is going to be pretty similar this year. McAvoy's out for half the year. Exactly. But they're going in the same spot. That's what I'm saying. So um, yeah, it's just another example of of how great a value Carlson is this year. Um, He's got about four years of shark stink on him. So that's why he's fallen as low as he has. But people, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it baffles you that people are this slow to react to the fact that Brent Burns is just gone. And the amount of minutes and power play time that he was eating up is just no longer there. And like Brock said, there's just zero competition. So, yeah, it's, it's a slam dunk. Of a it's thing. a classic case of somebody has to score um, and somebody's going to put up points. And it, he's good. Yeah, like, he's still good. It's Eric Carlson. Yeah. yeah like, he's not he's not amazing. Yeah. He's not the best defenseman yeah. in the league, but he's still a, a well above average offensive yeah. defenseman. So and That's it, too. I mean, if you can get this guy, even if he does get hurt, um, every league has a couple IR spots. Don't be afraid to chuck them in there. It's not a big deal. There's so zero risk. The production you're going to get from him, phenomenal. Brock, yeah. you got something to give us here? Yeah, I mean, I just think that while we're on the case of Brent Burns not being there, um, just to remind people, Brent Burns is in Carolina. He is. And Brent Burns' ADP is also pretty ridiculous. He's the defenseman going just ahead of Dougie Hamilton at 99.1, which makes him the 21st defenseman off the board, a low-end number two. And he goes to Carolina where he's going to play most likely with Jakob Slavin. He's going to fill in um, for Tony D'Angelo. And we saw D'Angelo have 51 points in 64 games last year in that spot. He's going to be on the top power play unit. He doesn't have to worry about being the best defenseman in the league because he's playing with Jakob Slavin, who's one of the best defensemen in the league. So Brent Burns at that spot as well, if you can get him as a low-end number two <laughs> defenseman, yeah. is, is just as sexy as Dougie Hamilton. I, I like him there in redrafts. I don't know if I'd be reaching too far ahead of that. Like I'd be keen to wait and yeah. try to get him right around 9,900 because there is some risk there. Just like you said, I think he's in a better spot, but does he play 
play 26 minutes a game in Carolina, right? So just to go back, I said I had Hamilton at 65, about 40 spots earlier yeah. than where he's going. Burns, I have at 93. Right. So yeah. right only, only a handful of picks before that. So it's, it's a good spot. He's not a sleeper, but he, he's, Honestly, he's, he's a nice value with, pick. Fantasy yeah. <laughs> with these ADPs, it's worth calling out when someone is just like... <laughs> Uh, six makes sense with yeah. where they're going and yeah. yeah i agree like he could easily outperform that but there's uh, a little bit of risk in there that i wouldn't feel great about taking him you know much earlier than okay here i think is a is a good question exact same adp miro heiskin in or brent burns you got heiskin now who mm. you know significantly younger he's on a dallas team that does not have john klingberg anymore yeah, do you're going to, to think that heiskin should be the guy on that top power play unit but heiskin's point totals to this point in his career leave a lot to be desired yeah. you're leaving out the nine playoff games he had in 2021 where yes. he was the greatest defenseman of all time to get drafted and yeah. just yeah. never translated yeah. to like he, he again Give me brent burns all day I don't, yeah yeah i think i would lead brent burns as well i think that Safe. there's certainly untapped potential here for heiskanen um, yeah he had he shot just 3.2 percent a season ago so the goal production but i just i i think that burns is just in a better safer spot than than heiskanen is in that same ADP. I mean, Heiskanen's career high in points is 36. Um, Burns has, realistically, the only season anywhere close to 36 was the... Uh, when he was playing forward. Yeah, <laughs> and the lockout shortened, uh, or not, not lockout, the uh, shortened season last year. Yeah. Just with all that, he had 36. But other than that, I mean, he, he you know, Burns is... 54 points last year, 45 the year before, 83. And then it's just 60 plus for the la- the five years there. I think it's just so safe with Brent Burns. And I think it's going to be exciting seeing him in a new uh, a new red jersey. Yeah, I think Heiskanen is going to like double his previous power play point totals. And I think he'll be a safe bet to get to 50. 45, 50 yeah. I expect him to get to 50 points. But I don't like. I don't think there's just this untapped potential. I'd be shocked if you know he's a point per game player now that he's getting power play time because it's not like he wasn't playing. He was playing 25 minutes a night, seeing some decent time at the second unit. So like I said, I would expect you know those eight power play points to be closer to 15 to 20 uh, and get him closer to 45 to 50 points. But I wouldn't um, draft them hoping for anything more than that, and I wouldn't draft them ahead of the guys that you know have that track record of reliably giving you 50, 55 points. Even year. at 50 points, there's 20 other defensemen who did that this year. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that, well, that's, that's right. He's going 20th that's, overall. That's right. basically why you say it is if you get a big jump in power play production, which we think should happen, it still doesn't not Give enough, to make, not enough yeah. to make exactly. Exactly. players. Yeah. But, exactly. Uh, sorry, we got off the rails a little bit, but I, I find a couple of those ADPs uh, very, very interesting. So we'll go back over to D. Yeah, for your sleeper. Well, I'll pick us up here because my sleeper rolls right into my bust. Um, nice. So, sleeper is Rasmus Anderson, current ADP of 126.3. Um, he is the number one defenseman on the Calgary Flames, and he will be quarterbacking their power play again this season. Um, something that he did a very admirable job at last season. And like we said, set to resume that role, should keep his assist totals well above average. He finished last year with four goals. 46 assists for 50 points in 82 games. Um, so again, probably someone that you can expect similar production to out of Heiskanen if all things go well for Heiskanen, except here's a guy that's done it before, uh, is going to get the minutes. We know he's going to be in that role uh, and he's going 25 picks later so or 30 picks later. So uh, he could actually get more shooting opportunities as well with Huberto on the power play this season. Doesn't necessarily need to be um, you know the quarterback that's creating space for other people. Um, so that goal production, while it leaves a lot to be desired, with just four goals last year, I think you know there's a chance that we see that shot volume improve further. It already has year over year to this point. So I w- you know would not be shocked to see him north of two shots a game last season. 
Uh, it's not elite, but with some room for growth in that 2.6 shooting percentage he had last year, uh, certainly to me makes it plausible that he could get to double-digit goals this season, uh, which is more than enough for him considering, the, uh, like I said, those gaudy assist totals that you're going to be getting. So I think people are expecting uh, my bust, Mackenzie Wieger, to take a much more offensive role than he ultimately will. Uh, and I think Anderson provides some really, really nice value as a result with the ADP of 126.3. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts to add on Anderson before I go hard? That plus bigger? 30 is beautiful. You talked about it. That still is a category that we have to focus on in a lot of leagues. Uh, personally, every league I'm in has it. So um, that's one that helps you a lot. You don't have to worry about that. Great plug and play. As you mentioned, ninth in assist in the NHL last year. That's top 10 production in that category. I love it if you're getting that at the bottom. He was like the one guy last year where I think anyone who needed defensive help come fantasy playoffs, this was their their plug and play. And, uh, and I think you can ride them all year. I really like this one, D. I've been on the Rasmus Anderson train for a couple years expecting maybe I was a little bit early on his breakout call uh, but it finally happened last year Um, guy I've liked for a long time there's at this ADP I mean we're talking about a team that everybody thinks is going to be very very good and then their number one power play option is dropping well below their you know, maybe number one 5v5 defenseman in Mackenzie Weger, but, like, they're, like... Yeah. They're 40 picks apart. Right. What? Yeah. Like, Weger's not even going to get power play two time. Like, Noah Hannafin is the only threat to to Rasmus Anderson's power play usage. It's not even Weger. Well, I was saving this juicy tidbit, but he has six... Mackenzie Weger, six career power play points in 306 career games. Wow. That's awful. So... That's six more than me, and I've never played. Yeah, you guys are close, man. You're but way closer might, than I would have You thought. might get to 10 first. But yeah, um, I'll get right into it. I'll lead off the bus here because it is Mackenzie yep. Wieger with the ADP of 81.1. Like Brock said, a good 45 picks uh, before the guy that's going to be taking the power play time from him in Rasmus Anderson. Uh, and it seems, you know, logically and more likely will be their, you know, potentially partners at 5v5 as well. Um, so... Have been early in camp, just for the record. Yeah, perfect. And then before I just, you know, um, go really hard on Mackenzie Wieger here, I just want to say, first and foremost, I realize he's a very good defenseman. Yep. Uh, and I think he'll be a very big boost to the Flames' blue line this season. But you just simply cannot justify taking a defenseman that gets zero power play time yeah. anywhere near 81st overall. Uh, and barring some major injuries to Calgary's blue line, that is going to be the case for Wieger this season. He's got some impressive 5v5 production, which I think, you know, given how potent that team can be at 5v5, yes, there's some turnover there, still some really nice pieces. I think he's still worth rostering, which is an achievement in its own right when you get no power play time. Um, But yeah, I'm not looking for him to be anywhere near, you know, my number two fantasy defenseman like he's going as right now. So he had just three power play points with the Panthers last season, despite Ekblad missing a quarter of the year. Uh, Plays a lot of heavy minutes at 5v5 and on the penalty kill. Because, like I said, he's a very good defenseman, but that's going to continue to be how he's utilized in Calgary. There's no reason to expect him to replace Anderson on the power play, and we don't even expect him to see time with the second unit when the Flames are healthy. He has seven power or six power play points, like I said, in those 306 career games. Just not who he is. He's going to be eating too many shorthanded in 5v5 minutes. Uh, and like I said, I think he's right on the edge of being worth rostering. I wouldn't love having him as one of my starting defensemen. Uh, and I don't normally carry a bench D-man yeah, either, no. but I think if you kind of get burned a little bit, you can at least you know hope for a point every other game. It's not great. It's not good, and you don't really want to build. Obviously, you don't want to build a fantasy team around it. You want to avoid it if you can, but I think, like I said, he's okay to have on the very back end of your roster, but like 81st overall, it's just it's a joke. So 
obviously this ADP is drastically impacted by banger leagues. Yeah. Um, he was eighth among defensemen in hits a season ago. Uh, sorry. That was, I was on a different thing. He was, standby. 18th among defensemen in hits a season ago. Um, but 8th down the stretch, or in case you're wondering. But uh, 18th in hits among defensemen a season ago. So obviously that's the reason why he is jumping up there. But his profile is almost identical, would you say, to somebody like Jacob Truba. Yeah. Like, bangs the body. Truba had uh, 207 hits a season ago. Uh, Weger had 179. How many points did Weger have last year? 44? Uh, I think so. 44, yeah. 44. Truba had 39. So he has a very similar profile to Jacob Truba in the way that... And Truba might even see a little bit of power play time. So Truba almost might be more valuable. But regardless, the profile is very, very similar. Jacob Truba's ADP is 107, where Uyghurs is 81. So not that I love Truba's ADP, but like... Truba is it's a clear effect of, of, of banger leagues where Uyghurs is just taken to a drastic level. Like a, there's going, some expectation yeah. there that his yeah. role is going to change. Exactly. And, it, and there's just no chance for it. So he's going 26 picks ahead of Truba, who's probably going earlier than he should. But again, that's that's banger leagues. It is yeah. what and it is. And even then, he said he was 18th in hits. And obviously, he probably offers more offensive production than those guys ahead of him. For but sure. still, yeah. he's, it's not like he's going to be... He's not Brady Kachek out there no. just outbanging guys 2-1. to one. And... Like I said, 18th in hits, and he's the 13th defenseman off the board right now. Just to give some... some Still does not even come close to adding up. To give some clarity on who kind of was ahead of him in terms of um, hits, the only guys that you would expect to have reasonable um, offensive production that were ahead of him were Truba, Darnell Nurse, and Neil Pionk. Those are the only guys that aren't just strictly defensive defensemen that are going out there and just ripping bod the whole time. So for reference, Brock, where do your projections short him out when you add hits into the equation because like well, we said he definitely gets a boost in banger leagues but it should be nowhere near to the extent he literally just reminds me of like duncan keith reincarnated other than the hits but like this duncan keith would perennially go way higher than he ever should would never reach 10 goals maybe give you 30 assists give 45 points here and there on a good year um but he would continue to go top 15 and that's kind of what i'm seeing from Uyghur. um it's just uh you know, I think that there's just better options out there, and it's kind of crazy that like like who would have thought Uyghur would be you know the guy like pushing his draft forward? Because um, I think at, at the halfway point of last year, most people didn't even know who this guy was in the league yet. Um, but uh, I'll let Brock shoot out his hit totals with Weegs there. I think you put it perfect: 13th D-man off the board and only 18th best in hits. That's uh that's a little bonkers when yeah. you know, when you add in that that's probably the least uh, appealing category for most of us for him. And it's one category. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember. Yeah. So go pick up Radko Gudis and steal right. it. Sure. Yeah, like just a just to <laughs> give you yeah. an idea of like just how invaluable his hit totals are. I have him overall around 188 um, without yeah. hits. Come on. 174 with hits. Ooh. So he really doesn't move the needle all okay. that much. 14 points slide. Um, no, just, it's, it's nowhere near to... True, but 185 in the same in, in hits leagues. Again, that is using my DFO customizable league rankings tool. That Great slides part. him from undrafted to uh, undrafted. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, maybe like your last pick. Yeah. But yeah, it's just... It's it's uh, according to, to my rankings tool, again, just using strict mathematics, he is going... Uh, 100 picks too early, which is uh, uh, very early. But, Biebs, who is your bust this year? Yeah, I kind of kind of brought up earlier that during my sleeper during Dougie Hamilton that my bust is going right next to him. And at 104.6, I got Tory Krug out in St. Louis. Um, 
uh, it's just it, it, I I can't get behind a guy who just does not produce in the goal category. Um, there's a clear tier, as we mentioned, of goal-producing defensemen um, and just point-producing defensemen, and Krug kind of jumps off that for me as not really fitting into his tier with the ones he's drafted around. Um, nine goals and 43 points last year. Um, that placed him outside the top 30 in... or Sorry, that placed him 28th in points among defensemen. His thirty, his nine goals was 33rd best among all defensemen, so you're, you're getting 33 guys with better value there. And he's going 24th off the board. So he's going realistically higher than he places in both points and goals. Um, That's a red flag right off the bat. He hasn't scored double-digit goals in five years and has only done so three times throughout his 11-year career. And those three times was when he's back in Boston, absolutely thriving. Um, At this point of the draft, if you're picking someone at 104, 105 like Dougie Hamilton, you can solidify 10 goals from a defenseman. I just don't like grabbing a guy who doesn't offer you that upside. His 16 power play points last year um, realistically should be even less this year with, I think, Justin Falk taking that true starter role on the top power play at well, 31. Well, we'll see. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think, though, if you're drafting him at 104, you're assuming he's, he's top power play. Um, and there are just other pieces around there. Yep. Perunovic is uh, someone we've talked about who has that ability to just be a PP specialist. Um but at 31, it's just there's not really a ceiling here for Tory Krug that I, that I like going after. Um, if you like assists, you need maybe you get three defensemen who only score goals. Um, that's not going to happen. Then go after Tory Krug. But some other names being taken around: Tory, as mentioned, Dougie Hamilton, Evan Bouchard um, is being taken at 104.7, um, and right next to him, Thomas Chabot at 114, Bowen Byram at 117, and then Eric Carlson. 142. These are all guys that I would have in a heartbeat over Tory Krug. Um, and at 105, I want nothing to do with Tory. Just, uh, I think the thing that worries me the most about Krug over uh, the last four seasons, he's missed 40 games. Seven, that's yeah. 17.2% of the games. Um, also, his, his final two seasons with the Bruins, he averaged 0.82 points per game. That's down to 0.62 points per game um, in two years with the Blues. So, yep. yeah, the... Uh, the numbers haven't been there in St. Louis. Nick Letty actually took on like a decent power play role towards the end of the season after being picked up last year. Um, and then he got, he got obviously re-signed. Falk, I don't know if Falk is a huge concern for me in terms of power play usage for Krug. Falk's just a great 5-5 defenseman, but Letty and Prunovic sure are. Uh, I believe Prunovic is out to start the season, but when he returns, I'd imagine he could yeah, eventually factor day-to-day. his way into to St. Louis. But um, yeah, like... I have crew kind of right around where he's being drafted. So I don't know if the ADP is like alarmingly bad, but there are certainly just way better of names yeah. behind him that are going, um, that I have going ahead of him. Like you mentioned, some of the guys we've talked about on this show, uh, with Rasmus Anderson, Eric Carlson, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of guys, even Tony D'Angelo, I think you could flirt with Tony D'Angelo, um, you know, 13 picks later. I would rather that. John Klingberg in Anaheim now, he's going to most likely be their number one power play guy. Like, There's just a lot of names around him that I would rather have over him. Obviously, my rankings, having him at 104, I think his draft spot's okay, I guess. But it's also just the fact that there's a bunch of guys going ahead of him that I think shouldn't be there. So it, it all kind of works itself out in the wash. And yeah, I just I, th- he's going ahead of a lot of guys that I would not even consider selecting him over. I would just let a lot of, like, there's like six other names I'd rather take, so just let other people have Tory Krug and go through that 
fun funness of bringing him on and off the IR and debating, should I keep him? Should I drop him? Um, well, you get your 15 goals out of your defenseman. I mean, yeah. you can almost take Tim Stutzel and Jack Hughes at the same spot as you're getting. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's the worst, but um, I, I think that just in general, aside from Dougie, there's really no one in that range that I love. And the way the ADPs kind of sort out this year, personally, I like the idea of having a defenseman or two on my team at that point and then getting some of the guys that we talked about that I think will offer similar production to Krug a couple of rounds later. And then if you look at some of the forwards going in that 95 to 105 range, you could get uh, a Brian Rust, Pavelski, Cairo, Zuccarello, Stutzel, Marchessault, Boldy, uh, Marshan, Jack Hughes, of course, uh, Braden Shen, uh, Braden Point, Trevor Zegris. Like you could go on and on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm much more inclined just with the way specifically the centers fall down. Like this is the kind of the center alley for me. This is where I'm just looking to reap, um, the benefits of taking the wingers early. Like I said, hopefully already having a defenseman or two on my roster, uh, and being able just to go out there and get the best player available at this point. Cause this is where I think, um, the really juicy centers start to slide because of their eligibility. Uh, and like I said, there's still some decent options on the wing. If, if you happen to, uh, fall in love with one of the earlier centers. I just realized exactly how Beebs figured out his bust. He's like, my sleeper? Oh, 104, Dougie Hamilton. Who's going 104 with Dougie Hamilton? Oh, Tory Krug? Yep. Yep. Take Screw it. that. Take- no, I, I, think, I honestly think... <laughs> I'd I'm rather like, have Dougie Hamilton. I think I've honestly um, picked Tory Krug here like three of my last five years, potentially. He's just one of those guys. He just always seems to go way higher than he ever should, and I, just, I, I want nothing to do with it. I actually. left him in Boston. He yeah. just hasn't had oh, that power too, play yeah. production since since leaving those I guys. I think people are drafting him. Like he's just not playing with Marshan and Pasternak and Bergeron anymore. Um, but yeah, I think he still has decent shot volume, and you could certainly do a lot worse. But like I said, just kind of that range of defensemen, I'm not super interested in. And I'm probably taking Dougie a couple rounds before that anyway. Um, so yeah, that's really a spot where I'm just looking like I said, to, to fill out the offensive core and probably take a starting centerman there, ideally, um, and get a guy, like I said, like a Braden Point or a Jack Hughes, but Hughes is someone that, again, I'm not waiting to get near his ADP. I'm going to take him at least two or three rounds earlier. I love how we've just brought up Jack Hughes on every podcast. We're going to do it. We're yeah, finally. We have to, yeah. He's our new Nino. Yeah, it's we're five episodes yeah. in. We've, we've done it every episode so far. and yeah. Be like Team of Meyer for when it happens, then we can just sit there and flex. Yes, because yes, he's, he's so even without the, uh, you know, the lack of production over the last two years, Torquay still ranks 18th among defensemen in points per game over the last two seasons. So yeah. there's a small reason, but uh, yeah, he was definitely significantly better during his days with the Bruins. Uh, my bus is Devon Taves, and honestly, I had a difficult time. And like, you know, we we obviously kind of made a little bit of an argument there for. Uh, Tory Krug, and I think that there's certainly an argument to be made about Devon Taves, and it's not a knock on Devon himself. Uh, I mean, he plays with Kale McCarr, who we just said could score 30 goals and 100 points. And uh, uh, Beebs, you have it off the top of your head, I'm sure. Devon Taves was a plus 52 a season ago. Sniped it. Nice. Okay. Yeah, like his his season a year ago was was absolutely being our top five. McCarr wasn't on the team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like his year a season ago was just you know outrageously good. He just. You know, it's similar to uh, Mackenzie Weger. This is just not a guy that is going to see power play usage. I mean, he'll he'll, he'll see a little bit. Don't he'll, get me wrong. He'll be on the second. He'll unit. be on the second unit. He'll be with you know. He'll Good be with Bowen. Twenty two seconds. Of, of yeah, power play. he'll be with Bowen Byron most likely on that second unit. He did have ten power play assists, two power play goals a season ago. He finished with fifty seven points, um, thirteen goals, forty four assists, and just sixty six games. The year was insane, but. 
8.2 sh- uh, sh- shooting percentage as a defenseman, unlikely that that's going to be sustainable. I'm not even going to look at his on-ice shooting percentage because if you're playing with Kale McCarr, you can probably just sustain. Um, it's 12.9. It's yeah, still too high. It's it's high. The real concern when I broke it down for Devon Taves is that he ranked first in the NHL in secondary assists. Where do you think that he landed? Uh, this is among um, defensemen, just for the record. First, among defensemen in secondary assists. Where do you think he landed in first assists? Primary assists? Primary Seven, assists or primary points? Primary assists. 77th is where i 97th. Oh. So uh, quite a difference there between just kind of seemingly getting lucky and giving the puck yeah. to their very talented players. Now, again, don't get me wrong. When you're playing with McKinnon and Ranson and Landis Cog and McCarr, you're going to pick up lots of secondary assists. They're going to be there throughout the season. But at an ADP of 68.6, he's currently the 11th defenseman off the board going ahead of Darlene, Theodore, Dobson, Rowenski, Petrangelo, Burns, Hamilton, Krug, Bouchard. Like, I don't know. All those guys I just mentioned are going to be the top power play unit options on their team. And Devon Taves just simply is not that guy. Um, I have him around 100th um, overall. So about 32 picks too early for my liking, yeah. but that's a drastic difference, right? You're going from basically being the number one defenseman on your fantasy roster to being a low end number two. Yeah. He's the first th- defenseman I would take um, that's not on his team's power. Yes, yes, yes. On his team's first unit. Um, but unfortunately, like he's going somewhere where I'm not going to be able anywhere near. Like there's just so many guys going after him um, that are getting those minutes that I would just rather have and like i said it's i wish he was going later because i would love to kind of stash him as my third or fourth defenseman because the 5v5 production while there were some red flags like i think what he did a couple years ago um, when he had 31 points in 53 games a 48 point uh pace over 82 i I think that's a more reasonable um projection for him in Mm -hmm. in terms of what we can expect if he isn't going to see an uptick in in his role and the only way that happens if, is if McCarr gets hurt, right? Yeah. And that's why I mean. I would love to have him on my team at a, a reasonable draft value because if McCarr gets hurt, like I said, this guy's going to become a top three or four fantasy defenseman overnight for however long mm-hmm. he's the number one defenseman on that power play. And it's not just because of the weapons around him. It's because he's a very talented offensive defenseman in his own right. But he has literally the, like the best offensive defenseman yeah. that we've seen in a good 10 years. Um and you know, proven every day to <laughs> pushing that timeline back further and further. Um, so yeah, he's just in a in a brutal spot, and you know, he had a, a very fortunate season in terms of, like you said, Brock, the secondary assist, the on ice shooting percentage, the personal shooting percentage. Everything went right for him last year. Um, and while, like I said, that forty eight point floor, while you're not getting the top power play time, super impressive and super notable. But I would just so much rather him, you know, drafted him as the twenty fourth defenseman off the board as opposed to you know the twelfth, like he's going. Want to hear something bonkers? Last year's 13 goals were the most Devin Taze has ever scored in a season, ever documented. This goes back to his U15 year with the Abbotsford Hawks where he only had eight goals. Um, this is a guy, I mean, that's a nugget. I love I love looking back at, um, you know, junior, junior careers for guys who, just to see is that potential there. This guy has never done a point per game in any league he's played on. In the AHL, he was basically a half point per game guy. And I think if you're drafting him here, uh, you're expecting he's got to have that offensive upside. Not to say, I mean, 
late pe- late peaks happen, things like that. But Taze has always proven that he's been a defensive first player. And I think last year was a little bit of a flash in the pan. I don't think. Uh, I think I know it was a little bit of a flash in the pan because I agree with what you're saying there, D. I think he's a little bit more of a, you know, 50-point guy. Yeah. Um, and until he touches that power play, uh, like I said, I'm if, a little worried, yeah. If Makar didn't exist, like, Taze would probably be my <laughs> yeah. sixth or seventh defenseman yeah. overall. But, Just like, yeah. But, like... But he exists. How many? How many? <laughs> He's there. How many defensemen reach fifty points without playing the top power oh, play? That's unit? crazy. Like, and like I said, that's kind of what you can expect from him. So it's yeah. it's nice, but he will never have that upside. Yeah, I might have to just down. do a deep dive on the last defenseman to like hit fifty points, or how many defensemen even have hit what he did last almost year. fifty. His yeah. point per game pace is just absurd. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it's just it's without playing people, not touching. It's yeah. just it was built on a method that just is just filled with um, very risky and unsustainable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, ways to get that production. And yeah, we just don't expect it to happen. Even as plus, well, not even, but as plus 52 as well. Like, that's pretty Let's absurd. Go next year. Even, even the defenseman, the best defenseman on the very best teams, like, you have to have some good fortune to get up to plus 52. So, yeah, I think the plus minus is obviously going to be a big boost for him. And you got to consider that in, in terms of how your league's built. Like, if it's, if it's pretty rudimentary, but somehow plus minus is still in there and you're only looking at goals, assists plus minus and not much else he flies up the board for sure because he is one of the few guys that you could say the plus minus is going to be really reliable it's a team stat he's on uh the best team yeah i, I would say relative to the, to the schedule they get to play the best team for sure um in terms of the 82 games and yes they certainly are in that conversation regardless but, i just wanted to hear it yeah no they are uh i mean like I said, on paper, I don't know if you would, would say they're the best team. They're yeah, certainly like one, one of the one very of the best, best three. Time. I don't think there's a clear-cut number one, but when you look at the other teams in that conference, in that division, you love um, how good they are compared to their schedule. So, yeah, I think they're uh, as good as any team in the league. And, yeah. Devontae's tied right. for 55th in the NHL among defensemen in power play time on ice a season ago. Yeah. Tied with Jeff Petrie, just ahead of Kale Clagg, Nate Schmidt. So, not a guy that... <laughs> eats a lot of minutes on the power play. Uh, all right, breakout season. D, you've got the real obvious one, guy that I absolutely love this season. So just let's just bring it home here. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Evan Bouchard. We have referred to him a couple times in passing already today. ADP is at 104.7 right now, going behind the likes of, like we talked about, Tori Krug, uh, also Miro Heiskinen, his teammate Darnell Nurse. Um, Noah Dobson, who I think we like, but again, some upside here as well. And then a bunch of picks later, Petrolangelo, the second defenseman on that team. So yeah, I think he's a value alone. I think he's decent value for that pick and you could feel good on him returning value. And then if things go his way in terms of the usage, he could turn out to be one of the absolute steals of the draft and could easily be a guy um, that we have nestled in quite comfortably into the top 10 next season. He had 43 points in 81 games last year as a 22-year-old with the Oilers, uh, posting 205 shots in 81 games despite playing just 19 minutes and 48 seconds a night. And despite uh, being limited for the most part to a second uh, unit power play role, which unlike Devin Taves is certainly something that could change, or sorry, Devon Taves, is something that uh, cer- certainly could change this season. Um, and you know, it's very easy to imagine seeing a changing in the guard on that top unit and Bouchard eating into the minutes in the role that Tyson Berry has occupied for the last two seasons. Berry's done an admirable job, but 41 points in 73 games 
you know, I don't think you can say that's a necessarily impressive return, and I, I don't think anyone would argue that he's the driving force behind the efficiency on that power play. I would I would suggest unlikely. Yes, and Bouchard is certainly the defenseman of the future. Um, whether or not he gets that role before or after Barry uh, contract expires is yet to be seen, but I don't see Darnell Nurse as a threat to that time. I think Bouchard has very clearly usurped him in that role. Nurse is, to me, very similar to that Uyghur role uh, build where, you know, he's just too valuable at 5v5 and playing too many minutes elsewhere shorthanded as well that he most likely just, you know, doesn't offer a ton as a quarterback or obviously doesn't have the best shot as well. I don't think he'll ever be penciled into that number one role unless they've been really hurt like we've seen in the past, um, simply because they don't want to play in 30 minutes a night either. And Bouchard is just much more uh, a much more better fit for that role. 12 goals in those 81 games as well, shooting just 5.9%. Very, very sustainable um, for uh, an offensive defenseman from the back end. So yeah, I, I just feel good about him at the very least um, repeating the production he had. Uh, I think, you know, even if the trends towards last year continue and, you know, he's eating into Barry's time more and more and they're, you know, it was kind of the way it was going last year towards the end of the regular season into the playoffs was they were, they weren't reluctant to throw Bouchard out there instead of Barry if Barry was coming off, you know, a a recent shift, right? If Barry was at all tired, like they did not hesitate to throw Bouchard out there instead. Whereas in seasons past, maybe they throw a gassed Barry out there because he's, you know, by far the number one option. So even if that continues and he's getting, you know, just a few minutes uh, or, you know, maybe one opportunity game with the top unit, or even if he's on the second unit, like McDavid and Drysaddle don't get off the ice. So they just keep rolling. Yeah. So I, I feel really good about this. And it's a spot where, like I said, you feel good about taking a guy, even though he's not the number one uh, defenseman on, or, you know, at least as of now in training camp, we don't know for sure that he's going to be quarterback in that power play. But I, like I said, I think the production's so reliable as is. Um, and if he does take over that role, like, and is seen anywhere of, you know, three to four extra minutes a night, like, just sky's the limit for this kid. Outside of um, Alex Petrangelo going ahead of him, Bouchard has the highest likelihood of becoming the top power play option on his team of the guys ahead of him that like they're almost all the top power play right, options on yeah. the team again not including Uyghur Taves and some of the other random guys that are up there but the guys that we actually like and believe in he's the the top guy in terms of being able to potentially uh, take over that role and, and as we mentioned like the time on ice uh power play usage went up after Jay Woodcroft became head coach and, yeah. and that's important and Tyson Berry um uh, not only was the power play usage seemingly declining, but the 5v5 usage was was declining drastically. He's clearly a third-pairing defenseman for, for the Oilers now. There, there was talks about how the Oilers kind of need to shed some cap. Would would potentially Barry be a guy that gets moved to, to do that? Obviously, that never came to fruition, but um, like the, this is just eventually Evan Bouchard's job. Oh, yeah. and if it happens this year, he's going to blow up. Like I want as much as many Evan Bouchard shares as I can get, especially at an ADP of one Oh four. I don't know like how much earlier you can take him. Like you can definitely take him a little bit earlier. Um, and if you get him later, obviously you can't, you can't draft assuming the best case scenario. Right. But like even, you know, when I wrote about him, like his year last year was great. And his point production came 82% 82% of it on the on, at 5v5. Barry's power play production is insanely good. And if you just all of a sudden tack that on to Bouchard, like he has legit top 10 defenseman upside. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, 
I mean, if I'm going to talk about Taze's peripherals in junior, this is a guy who for three years while playing with London averaged over a point per game. Um, Quite good. That's that, that's not bad. Um, Taking tenth overall. It's a good I mean, place to play your junior hockey yeah, if you're yeah. looking to be over a point. Probably got paid. Points. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's playing. Like, <laughs> probably, got probably got paid quite well. Pretty sure he's playing like 45 minutes a night. Um, getting paid well. 4,500 dollars a night too. Yeah, but uh, but was yeah. it Windsor the one that had the bounty program that got exposed? I mean, there's a little bit of both going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just gotta. <laughs> but you know, keep us honest um, here. But I love it. Whatever yeah. gets you, whatever gets you those those Memorial Cup. Dubs. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bouchard last year that was his first real kick at the can, and, and in a season he had a 14. Um, game look the year before that and then a seven game look a um, couple of years before that so for for Bouchard I mean he's still getting his feet wet here realistically so someone who if you're just getting your feet wet and I'm, I can take 10 and 10 and 30 off you I love that so then that's like the lowest I could get out of him yeah exactly um, so yeah so I absolutely love uh, Bouchard yeah I he's worth great he's his worth, shot is gross he's worth rostering for so, his goal yeah. scoring alone right like yeah. thir- 12 goals uh, with a shooting percentage of 5.9% 205 shots in 81 games while playing less than 20 minutes a night like, like I said that's enough to roster him on its own but yeah when you t- when you throw in the possibility of uh, potentially jumping on that top power play unit with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl like there's, there's no, it's not a tough sell he's basically Shea Theodore but like with less certainty that he's going to be on the top unit. Sure. But if he ends up being on the top unit, it's a significantly better top unit, and right. he's better than Shea Theodore. But like he's, they're, the, they're the same kind of player, right? Sure. The, in terms of the goal production, just a couple it, years behind. Yeah, exactly. He's following that same. Hopefully, but he could get that role sooner. Oh, it could be crazy. Yeah, and on a way better team. Um, yeah, Camp will be interesting in Edmonton. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on in Edmonton camp, though, for sure. I mean, yeah. we saw it happen in the playoffs. Uh, not, not as much as you want, but still, we saw Bouchard, you know, take some minutes. So. Yeah. I would take him over Miro Heiskanen. Like it's like, oh, I would in a heartbeat. Like, yeah, but I, I also to be on the top power play. I don't feel good about Miro. And then keeper dynasty leagues, like, well, I guess dynasty. He's probably like, you know, easily within the top fifty keeper. I, yeah, uh, depends how many keepers you get, but I would think at least a two or three round jump for sure. Um, because you know, even if it you know it doesn't work out for him this year. Barry has just one more year left on his contract. Um, so, yeah, sooner than later, uh, like Brock said, it's going to be his job. Yeah, they're going to try to, you know, form him into that. One of my buddies is a OHL scout uh, for an unnamed team, and Good he flexi. says that London is for sure cheating. So he hasn't just... told you the team? Oh, I know who it is. I'm just oh, not going to. Yeah, got it. He can't expose him. Yeah, uh, yeah just, that makes more sense after London, the... London is just clearly cheating. Sure. Players, so um, you heard it here first, but unlikely first, but. He just told me, that, yeah. And it could just be bitterness for how good they've been. Yeah, forever. it sounds like and it. And he is uh, the well, that's not very good. So. I think they're just better at paying yeah. people. Like I think everyone tries to pay, pay people. people. Yeah. Well, Max Domi, when he did go to the OHL, said he would only play for Windsor and London. So kind of that, that helps. That helps. And he went to London, so yeah. we're bitter. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, my breakout this season is Noah Dobson. And... It's kind of a cheap breakout because you could probably look at last season and be like, yeah, he broke out last season. He had 13 goals, 38 assists, 51 points in 80 games. You might be like, whoa, I didn't even notice Noah Dobson was that good. Yeah, that's because in the gross. first uh, 32 games of the season, he only had 14 points. But in the second half of the season, he had 37 points, 8 goals, 29 assists in his final 48 games. That was a 14-goal, 50-assist pace uh, down the stretch. We also saw his time on ice jump a full minute over that stretch compared to his first 32 games. So uh, if the usage continues to climb again, this is again that went uh, 12th overall. You want to talk about, uh, you know, Beebs will probably pull up his hockey DB here any second and read these stats off to you, but I'll just beat him to the punch. 
ridiculous uh, numbers in the QMJHL over a point per game in his last uh, two seasons, you know, obviously going 12th overall in 2018. So very, very good offensive player, just very, very good all-around defenseman. I think the only concern for him is like, or the only thing that's really like holding him back from breaking out is that it's a still, it's a pretty talented uh, blue line. You know that Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak are, are going to go out there and get big minutes. Scott Mayfield is going to earn some minutes. So at 5v5, Dobson and Romanoff might not like, they're not going to play a shitload, but Dobson is unquestionably the number one power play uh, option for the Islanders. And if, if the second half of last season is any indication, he has clear double-digit goal upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it a season ago, and then he has 50 assist upside again if last uh, the second half of last season tells us anything. So, yeah, if, if he scores 14 goals and, and and 50 assists like he was on pace for towards the end of last season, then all of a sudden we're kind of talking about him as one of these upper echelon defensemen, right? In terms of... Um, projections John Carlson I have him projected for 16 goals 56 assists like Dobson almost has you know that same profile towards the end of last season so there is a there's a potential here obviously he was really really good last year um wasn't really highly regarded towards the start of last season but as the season wore on he he you know was probably rostered in every single league and right now uh, you can get him at 95 overall Right around uh, the Miro Heiskin and Brent Burns, Dougie Hamilton, Tory Krug, Evan Bouchard range, and he has the potential to jump up into the top ten if if he can, can kind of pick up where he left off uh, from a season ago. And I still think that you know while there are big minute eaters on that team, there is still some room for that time on ice to grow. Still, just twenty one forty seven down the stretch last season. Yeah, and just to show how high I was on Dobson, I had him at fifteen in our top fifteen. Um, basically everything you said there, Brock, I, I just, I expect just another step forward this year. And I think we're looking at a true 15 goal defenseman here, um, which is as mentioned a few times, not very likely throughout the NHL. Yeah. And the Islanders power play better than people probably realize because, you know, we don't think of them as an offense team, but they've been consistently the last, you know, four or five years and above average unit. They finished 12th last year with a 22.1% uh, conversion rate. And obviously like Brock said, Dobson was a big part of that, expect him to continue to be a big part of that, and certainly at the age where would not be a shock to see his underlying numbers take a step forward as well. Wouldn't it be something if they was like added anything in the offseason? Like this is just the same team. How do you be a fan of this team and just be like, wow, <laughs> so we hard. just did nothing. We got Alexander Romanoff. That's literally it. Um, Matt Barzell just isn't good anymore either. Like are we I mean uh, like we have not talked about this I man have, uh, for one second. I have a bit of an opinion on him. But. Yeah, like I know you don't like him. I just he I don't just, even know a lot of assists. I don't know what to think about this man. Like his rookie season was ridiculous. Yeah. And then f- after that he's just like I forget. Yeah. He's not a, he's like a free agent pickup at best after that, which is like you're getting like yes, he might have those points, but it's still low end goal production even getting out of him. Um it's just it's scary. I mean, I like to when you watch him, is there a player that kind of I test more as a point per game guy than him. He's just so flashy, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I, yeah, I think um, he should be better. this. I year, think though. he's great. I just think like we've said, he's quite clearly a pass first guy. Doesn't let to shoot the puck. And, uh, so the goal scoring, you know, it's never going to be fantastic. And, you know, I mean, if you want to really look for a driving force behind it, he had John Tavares with him his rookie year when he put up 85 points. He hasn't since. So, yeah, that's pretty yeah key. that's a good player. i think you know it's just i don't think it's as much a knock on him as it is their system and the fact that you know he ha- doesn't have really that elite talent to play with and, and set up and if you don't have an elite goal scorer 
uh, or at least you know a handful of good goal scorers around you, it's tough to put up 60 yeah. assists. Poor guys played with Josh Bailey for six years. Yeah. Also pass first. Yeah. Um, since his breakout year, he's averaged 20 goals, 46 assists, 66 points per 82 games. So borderline and he's getting taken very, very high modest production no he's not that's actually why i kind of just wanted to bring him up here oh, sorry current, previous years he was taken really high this year it's finally come down there yes his adp is 158.3 it is so red on this graphic that I, can I, hardly, I would definitely take oh, him i would 100 take that roster. upside like i yeah. i think you should definitely he's worth, he's worth a flyer and, yeah. yeah like like we said there's some there's some talent there that you know he has flashed before and you feel good about it but and it's power play one time yeah unless he just randomly shoots 20 percent, like he's not going to top 25 goals yeah. On his shooting percentage for the last four years, 8.4, 9.1, 9.9, 9. 9.6. One lucky year in, in in New York. You never know. But, yeah, I think that's the thing. We, we, we have never been a podcast that has really talked about Matt Barzell in a positive light in any stretch. But when you're going now, finally, instead of going in the top 80, you're going 158. Suddenly, maybe we can uh, turn over. I mean, no, if B so if, in there. If D could go from busty Jack Hughes to I'm in love with Jack Hughes and everything that he does, especially the air that he breathes, anything's possible. You talk about that like it wasn't my rant on Jack Hughes that inspired him to become the player he is today. That's true. You yeah. never know. I do know. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it. Uh, for Season 8, Episode 5 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. That will also do it uh, for our positional previews. I hope you guys enjoyed them. Consensus Top 10 uh, at each position. Realistically, we gave a cons- consensus Top 15 uh, at each position. Sure. And uh, breakouts, bust, sleepers at every position as well. Uh, again, if the podcast weren't enough for you, um, a huge draft kit right now at dailyfaceoff.com. We have projections for over 650 skaters and goalies. We have player bios for 300 plus players. We've got sleepers, articles. We've got all sorts of different features. Uh, the official DFO Top 300 will be out tomorrow with printable cheat sheets, all the good things there. Uh, and we're going to continuously add to it. Um, and not just add to the draft kit, but we're also going to continue to add to the podcast. Uh, this week, we've got our mock draft episode. Uh, on the mock draft episode, we're also going to plant our flags on a couple of guys that we just are locking in uh, for this season. The fantasy footballers, actually, they they call them my guys. We'll we're gonna steal a page out of their book um, and, and talk about guys that we are just locking in are going to be better than their ADPs this season. I think I already know Jack Hughes will be one of yours, D. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, all this content sounds so great, Brock, but it must be pretty expensive to get all those projections and player bios and, and rankings. How, how much is it going to set these people back? Funny you bring that up because it's 100% free. You Come won't on. find anything like it on the web. But yeah, hours of podcasts, everything else. Uh, again, it, it, it may be because of the draft kit you just found uh, us and you just found the DFO Fantasy Podcast. And if you go back, we've got four previous episodes, centers, left wings, right wings, and goalies. And uh, you know, at least five hours of listening time there. After today, seven hours of positional previews, just filling your ears with nothing but fantasy goodness. So thank you guys so much for tuning into the positional previews. A lot more to come from us. Enjoy the Blue Stones on the way out. Enjoy the draft kit, and we will see you guys back here in a few days. Peace.
The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.